So, and no, we're going to talk about some no. stuff. Yeah, we've always got to start with some. We got to start with some general chit chat. Yeah, start into... with the fascists again. No, I'm not going to start with the fascists again. Jesus Christ, Dan. All right. So, Nazis are in. Mm. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not going to start with that. Instead, I'm going to talk about problematic trailers. All right. All right. So there's a film that I love called Balls Out or Intermural Mural. I think it's called in America. And it's a very funny little comedy that had a trailer that did not really do it justice. Okay. Never heard of it. Yeah, I know you haven't, because it, it wasn't released in the UK. Oh. It was released in America, it was released in Australia, it was released most other places, but not the UK. It's probably insignificant then. It failed to really take off in America, because people were expecting it to be like a straight-laced sports-style comedy, but it's not. It's very much in the eye, in the mindset of, say... Um, a Parks and Recreation, but with more of the wacky es- exploits of um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia mixed in. Yeah? It's got so Danny DeVito in it. Almost cartoonish level. Almost. Almost got a Danny DeVito type character in it. Oh. Um, but anyway, so um, there was recently a trailer release for the new Amy Schumer movie. Yeah, uh, I have no idea. You've not, no idea? I, Let me I tell barely you know who Amy Schumer We're is. We're going to play a game. We're going to play a game. We're going to call this Pitch... And putt. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pitch you the movie and then you tell me what the title is and I'll tell you if you get a hole in one. All right. right. Okay. So Amy Schumer, she's a lady struggling with her looks. She sees skinny bitches. Just the Barbie everywhere. movie she's meant to no. be. No. She sees skinny bitches everywhere. All right. And she is just upset that she's striving for this perfection. She's just not meeting. It sounds terrible. It does so far. But wait, there's a twist. So she speaks to her friends, both good-looking and bad-looking people, and she's like, I just can't get it together, guys. Now, let's remember, Amy Schumer isn't a really large person at all, but by Hollywood standards, obviously, she's not Rake Finn, so she's She's fat. fatty, fat, fat. So, so what happens? What do you think happens? She's at a spinning class one day, and she bangs her head, and suddenly, she's crazy enough to just accept herself the way she is. That's right. She suddenly gets confidence in her body, and that is the premise for this movie. That's a comedy premise. Oh. So the idea that a woman can bang her head, suddenly accept herself as she is, and that's a crazy, wacky premise for a movie. Now, what do you think the title of that movie is? Is this Captain Marvel? No, it's not Captain Marvel. That's not Amy Schumer. Isn't it? No. Oh, I don't know the difference. It's the title of a song that was sung in the movie Anger Management, famously by... Adam That's an Adam Sandler film. Yeah, Adam I'm not going to see that Nicholson. film. You will have. No, I haven't watched Anger Man. Okay, uh, it is also a song in a musical about Nazis, topically enough. What, the producers? No, another one. There's another... Yeah, there's a bunch of Nazi movies. What are you talking about? Musical, though. Yeah, there's a couple. Specifically. Yeah, there's a couple. Are you sure you're not talking about Springtime for Hitler, the musical in the film? No, here you go. So it is, I Feel Pretty. Oh. Obviously taken from The Hills Have Eyes. No, sorry. The Hills Are Alive. Anyway, <laughs> so, Amy Schumer, yeah, so that's that's that. So, um... The Sound of Music, you mean? The Sound of Music. Which isn't about Nazis. Well, there's Nazis in it. Yeah, it's about the Von Trapp family. I know, but there's some there's some Nazis in it and they're lovely. Okay, so um, that's... About that's... a bunch of nuns who blatantly get murdered by... The Nazis. Yeah. So we're gonna play a little game. We're gonna play a little game on back of the other game. All right. How much do you think that movie? No, sorry, actually. Where do you think that movie's gonna land on Rotten Tomatoes? I don't give a shit. Was Aquaman still out this year? 
Aquaman's next year. Is Aquaman next year? Yeah. What do you? There's think? No DC films this year. So Rotten Tomatoes, no, Justice League. Justice League came out last year. Did it really? Yeah, we've already had Justice League. God, the trauma of that movie has broken my brain. Actually, it's not the worst one in this lot. I know, but like, it's it's second to Wonder Woman. I didn't like Wonder Woman, so it's not really that swinging for the fences here, are they? No, oh dear. It's because you just hate women. I don't hate women. You're picking on Amy Schumer no. right at the start of this episode. No, you I'm her saying. Fatty fat fat. I, no. <laughs> I, 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 I want everyone to go and watch that trailer because I find it offensive and I'm a man. I don't know why anyone. She's a relative, like Amy Schumer. She's not attractive to me, but but I don't like blondes and I don't like Americans. <laughs> so already, I'm down a couple of and women. Well, I like women. Um, in fact, I love women. Some of my best friends are women. You know, yeah. my my fiance, she's a woman. Mm. She's all right. You know, I think women are smarter than men. Um, I don't think like evidently. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think that men are really capable of running a country, let alone a world. Yeah, I think that it's pretty bad to put us in power of anything. Like, you give a man a job, and nine times out of ten, you know, they'll fuck it up. <laughs> because we just suck, kind of. <laughs> that might be a human trait, though, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, possibly. Just, you know, why are you so misogynistic? I'm not misogynistic. Why do you hate men? Mengazi! <laughs> yeah. Alright, anyway, sorry. So, um, so, Rapist of the Week... Did you hear the news? Yeah. Like, Katy Perry killed a nun. Really? <laughs> so Katy Perry's been trying to buy some land that a nun's convent is on. Yeah. And she's trying to get the land, and nuns are saying, you're stealing our land. Mm-hmm. And the nun collapsed in court during the court case for it and died. So Katy Perry, what you're saying is Katy Perry killed a nun. Yeah. And she liked it. Probably. I killed a nun, and I liked it. That's amazing. Sucked off a bloke, didn't like it. Taste right, of see, his meaty chapstick. All right, now that he's being a misogynist. Um, Change the words to a female female song I'm about empowerment. A classic song. Boy. All right, anyway, so your first review, Ed. Oh. Welcome to Critter Apocalypse, episode 84. Yeah, there you go. 84? No, 83. It's not 83, it's 84. I don't know. Who fucking knows? Episode 83. Ah. <sighs> Turning on to the reviews, and your first review this week is going to be... Um, I suppose I'll start with... Dark Quest 2. Why not? Why not? Why not? Okay. Um, that just got released this week out of early access. It's been in early access for like a year-ish. And did you, did you play Dark Quest? Well, you probably didn't. No one played it. No, some people played it. Of course I did. You didn't have a massive following. It was big enough to be a little cult thing. It was that game about a quest in the dark. Yeah, sure. Um, it was a hero quest style game done really simply, like just top down, top down grid maps, and all the characters were just like round little top down weird heads, tokens, and stuff moving around. Yeah, hitting enemies, really basic, basic graphics. And Dark Quest Two is like you know, Dark Quest obviously did good enough that they could spend some money on Dark Quest Two, and it's got like full blown like pan painted artwork, and it's all animated nicely, and they've got like you know when they walk along, all their capes move around and stuff, and yeah. Really complex. It kind of reminds me a bit of the sort of artwork in um, Dragon's Crown, which okay. is um, like you know whether you like the weirdly shaped people in that game or not. It's very pretty artwork. Um, designed some by the guy who did uh, Odin Sphere. That game is. It's very I remember pretty. Odin yeah. Sphere. Yeah, Odin Sphere got released again last year, didn't it? it got a HD version on. It did indeed. Yeah, it's a good game. That 
But yeah, this Dragon Drag, uh, Dark Quest Two is a hero questy thing, and you work your way through a series of dungeons, and you know you got to fight the bad guys, make your way through, and hunt stuff, and all this sort of stuff. Um, I'm, I've played like a bit of it now, and I'm enjoying it. It's decent. It's like you get a little team together, you can upgrade them, give them new skills. You know, it's fairly nicely balanced out. Like if you if you die, you can revive like your team for twenty percent of your gold. So. You don't really run out of gold if you keep failing. You can just keep trying again if you want. But, um, you know, it's not one of those things where you can, like, straight up fail. Even though it could easily have been a roguelike type game, you know, just randomly generated dungeons or anything. It's not like that. Just work your way through the dungeons. Build up a team, you know, whoever you want. They've all got their own skills. They can find traps. If you played Hero Quest, you know how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, some nice little design things in. Like, there's no enemies in the room. Then your character's movement distance isn't limited, so you can just go click over, click on what oh, you want, okay. take them out of the room so like you can the get on with it. Out. Yeah, so you can get them out of the room as quick as possible, mm-hmm. but when you, when there's enemies in the room, you're limited to like moving six spaces and attacking from there. So you know, ter- so when you're in the room, it's kind of like you're turning into a turn-based battle system, mm-hmm. whereas when you're outside of it, you're free to move around a bit more. Um, and yeah, it's it's just a pretty and solid game. It's only like six quid. It's not very expensive, which is nice and cheap for what it is. Um, yeah. I don't know how many hours of play you get through it, because... Um, as far as I'm aware, the dungeons aren't randomly generated. They are like predetermined, so you're basically going to have to keep playing through the same dungeons again and again. But there mm-hmm. is harder difficulties and stuff like that, so there's that to play for. But for six quid, like, can't really go wrong. So no, you can't. And it's quite a leap over the first one, like graphically. It's a much different game. It's gone from like the top-down basic tile grid thing to being an isometric, full hand-painted artwork type thing with voiceovers and animated cutscenes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's nice stuff, but yeah, six quid. Give it a try, it's new. You can play it on the internet. Mm. It'll probably come out on mobile phones, I figure, because I know the first one did as well. Mm. But yeah, if you like Hero Quest, very Hero Questy. And yeah. there's no Hero Quest now. You can't get the board games anymore. You can't get the, there's no Hero Quest games officially. I mean, you can get the board games still, but you have to sort of buy them from people's grandparents or else yeah. someone like ripped you off by 100 well, pounds. You, you literally can't get them in shops, though, which is bizarre. Well, you can still get Talisman, which I find weird. Yeah. But Hero Quest was like. Massive. It's 25th anniversary last year or something like that and mm. there was no re-release no re-release it's weird not even advanced hero quest which was which was cool that game dungeon quest no called advanced hero quest so dungeon quest was part of that series no it wasn't yeah. no, there's only hero quest and advanced hero quest but they're both based on dungeons and dragons sort of it's like a really it's not dungeon dragons in a board game anyway yeah fool. anyway so that's your review you had then. elements of dungeons and dragons that's, that's your review yeah, I guess so. Why not? You feel good about yourself. Yeah, we'll be. All right, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna review an SJW's dream. Oh, I'm gonna review Black Panther. All right, it's a film about black people. I've already reviewed that. So, all right, then in that case, I'm gonna I'm gonna, <laughs> Black Panther. I'm gonna give it a. Is that it? Is this all you're gonna do for reviewing Black Panther? You're just gonna dismiss an entire race like that? I'm gonna review Black Panther. I'm gonna give it a uh, a Tom Atkins. Is that I it? really really enjoyed it. It was uh, it was a visually a feast, uh, but apparently I can't go into more detail because Ant, being the SJW that he is, bloody libtard. Say you can't go into more detail. Well, let me talk about it. So, so I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to talk about Irreplaceable You. It's a Netflix movie that's no, pretty. You can talk about Black Panther. Shit. You're reviewing Black Panther now. No, no, no. It's fine. Irreplaceable no, You is no, the story of a Panther. woman who finds out that she has a several tennis balls inside of her womb in the form of cancer. That's the size they. Had. No, actually, sorry. She says two oranges and a grapefruit inside of her womb. 
um, which uh, which is cancer. She finds herself on the eve of her wedding. Not the eve, I shouldn't say eve. A few months before she's planned to wed the love of her life, who she has been with since they were 12. They're very much in love. They're very sweet as a couple. They've got a lot of charm and a lot of charisma. Uh, but this film, wonderfully so, decides it's going to take that charm and charisma and waste it by making it so that it's a odd romantic comedy about her trying to find a love for her husband, or would-be husband, before she dies, so she can make sure he doesn't just have a slut phase, because Christopher Walken tells what? her that she's going to have a slut phase. Uh, Steve Coogan well, let him have a slut phase. Steve Coogan as her counsellor, who helps her through the grieving process, because obviously you start grieving before you die when you find out you've only got a short amount of time to live, um, decides that uh, he's going to treat it much like this is a non-constructive way to spend the remainder of her time, but if it's something that she's finding helps her focus, then she can do it. Um, the film is saccharine sweet. It's poorly written in places. Sometimes it's Jennifer Garner in it. No, Jennifer Garner is not in it. It's uh, that lady it from like Cloverfield. It's the lady from Cloverfield. Do you know the one with the crazy name? Juamba, Guambi, Gamamba, Jaja. From Cloverfield? Yeah, ten. Uh, no, not ten Cloverfield. The to- Cloverfield Paradox. Oh. Um, what's her name? I can't remember. I know it's it's something something. Yeah, it's like Goo Goo. There you go. Goo Goo something. Um, but, um, yeah, all in all, it's just, it's, it, it, I think it wants to be a version of 50-50, but made with maybe more heart and less jokes. But you've got Christopher Walken is kind of, Christopher Walken, Walken is still charming in this, but it's just like, it's weird that he just is there. As like this guy who's like, I got cancer. And like, and just going around, he's like, he's like, I'm going to save this one for me. Like, that's Christopher Walken through this whole film. He's like picking up porn mags and he's going like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And like he's a he he's a great actor, so like the role is fine. But the problem is that there's all these little character moments, and it's mixed in with just this shit. And it just it seemed like there was not enough focus on making something, and too much focus on going. Oh, people are gonna cry at the end of this. Let's get that one because there is one scene that is is okayishly shot. Mm, just one. But, yeah. But that scene that is. Okay. I hope the director knows that. Yeah, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. I do feel bad but for you've them. You've decided that there's only one scene that they shot well. Right? Well, I do feel bad for them because <laughs> this film is. Um, it's fallen. It's fallen through the net. It's one of those Netflix movies where, like, a studio will make it for twenty million, twenty-five million, and they'll go, "Oh, we're going to release it summer twenty sixteen, and then summer 2016 they get an Iron Man 2 and they're like oh fuck there's no point in us releasing this now let's hold on to it and then Netflix comes and goes we'll give you 30 million for that and they're like alright fuck it you nut jobs and they just chuck it on there chuck it on the plum. I mean uh, we've got to chuck all sorts of crap on Netflix I know like it's fucking mute um, anyway. mute was good <laughs> mute was good People. mute wasn't that good uh, you're bad at reviews did I review mute last time no I oh, I'm going to review mute this time I'll review, I like, this could be like a mute. Netflix special because I mostly review Netflix shit um, but Irreplaceable You it's like hidden away there was no like woo this is coming out or anything like that it just appeared in my Netflix queue and I was like yeah like oh. everything on Netflix now they've got 700 things to release know, in a year just popping out everywhere but um, yeah. it's it's not great like I would I would recommend going to watch him 50-50 more mm. it paints both men and women in much better light Irreplaceable You doesn't really understand w- where its strengths are I think that they probably had a lot of casting meetings and a lot of script reads and they just ignored what was happening and instead went, oh, I can't wait for that final fucking scene. They got Christopher Walken. They got Christopher Walken. I will spoil it and say they do commit to the story. She does die. Spoilers. But the, like, that's not a spoiler because, like, halfway through the movie, she's like, I might just take some pills and die. Like, but, like, the problem is that they don't deal enough with the struggle of her and her disease. 
And when they do get like the slight hint that they might do, they just go and then she's fine and she goes and finds him a lady or she's trying to date people for him. Like, it's just weird. It's just a very, it's a very strange mix of ideas and there's not enough there to, to really build a film on. Why can't the guy have a slut face? I don't know. She just doesn't want him to. Like, that's one of the weird things about it. It's like interactions with people. There are all these people that, like, that are for all intents and purposes, they are aware of their own mortality so much more than anyone else because they've got that ticking clock. They've been told you've got this amount of time. And although it's never, like, 100% guaranteed that that's the amount of time they have, all these people act like it's a lazy Sunday. They go to a, they go to a, there's a. Does anyone pull a nom? No. You know, nom, 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 (laughs) nom. Um, classic scene there's a there's there's a scene in which they go to a bookshop she decides she's going to go get him books so that she can have him learn stuff after she's gone to help him like carry on so like have a cook and stuff he's not an idiot he's just this handsome teacher that definitely won't have any trouble getting laid after she's gone especially with students especially with students but he's a handsome teacher dude who's just a bit bumbling but he's the kind of guy like he is a bloke who's playing it's some nameless dude I haven't seen before anything it's and I've seen a lot of Very shit. important, and you're it just doing that. It's going to be Daniel Day Lewis in his I last act. Andy role. Garcia. Andy Garcia. <laughs> Danny Garcia's conjoined fetus. <laughs> oh no, God no! Who's the dude from Time Cop? Ron Silver. Ron Silver. It's Ron Silver. Oh, they digitally placed him into the film from one day. Was it one what fine day? What happened to Andy Garcia's conjoined fetus? I mean, Ron Howard's became Clint Howard, but what happened to Andy Garcia? Andy Garcia had a conjoined fetus when he was a baby. Really? Yeah, he had one living on his back. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Like the lady from South Park. Do you think it's Jerry Garcia from uh, the ice cream? Yeah, from the ice cream, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, I just... I, there's not enough here to recommend this. Like, 50-50 exists and it's a better film. And although, you know, it has a sweeter ending, it it at least keeps a tonal consistency and there is a much more rea- a much more realistic reaction to a lot of the stuff that happens. What's the picture that? of her on the thumbnail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually one of the better scenes. That's one of the better scenes. So... So there are like there are these scenes where she goes to chemo and she's got this nurse. I don't know why it's the same nurse every time because I don't think that's how hospitals work. But there's a nurse there who who administers her chemotherapy and basically speaks to her when she's there. Hmm. Um, and he has like this just this flippant tone. He's just like, look, I've met a lot of people here, and most of the time they either die or they leave, but I don't see them again. So let's just imagine that you're going to leave rather than die. And she's like, mm, I feel sick, <laughs> and it's like this nice little funny little character moment where there's two people just interacting. And it's kind of weird because after that she's cry fucking her husband, and then before that she's talking about how she doesn't want to nick. She finds it frustrating that she's only got months to live, and they're trying to teach her a new skill that she's never going to fucking use knitting. And she's like, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like I don't want to learn fucking knitting and like booing and running off, and then oh I feel sick. <laughs> I don't really booing and running off. She goes boo knitting. <laughs> And then it cuts to, and then it cuts to her telling her husband, like, I'm gonna, I love you, I'm gonna, you know, I, I wanna make sure you're gonna be safe, kissing him, then fucking him, then vomiting into a sink, and then, then just, it cuts to him getting ready to go out. I'm like, why the fuck would you leave your house? Sounds a lot like the fountain. <laughs> it's just like stuff happens. I love the fountain, like the fountain, I love. I'm talking about totally The fountain does like just suddenly stop yeah. a scene. Yeah. And suddenly you're in space. But, the thing with the fountain is, though, it goes to space. With this, they're in the same setting. In almost the, the same Spanish shot. Inquisition. I like, fucking love the Spanish, Spanish stuff. Look, basically, what I'm saying is, Irreplaceable You is very, very replaceable with 50 50. Oh. I wouldn't recommend it. But on that, like, as I said, there is a charm to it. 
So if you've watched 50-50 a hundred times and you go, I just want something slightly different, watch this. Yeah, I want more cancer. Or the Rainmaker. (laughs) Rainmaker. (laughs) Do you not remember the Rainmaker? Matt Damon, Danny DeVito, Mickey Rourke? No. Oh, it's a great film. It's actually really, really good. I remember Rain Man. Rain Man is also a good film, but that's Dustin Hoffman, Tom Cruise. Hoo-ha. 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 I remember Purple Rain. Yeah, they had that Prince. band in it. Yeah, the band. Morris Day in the Time. Yeah, Morris Day in the Time. Yeah, Ooh. Jungle Earth. Oh, we, oh, we, So, yeah, Irreplaceable You. Do you know the story about how they got? <laughs> no. Um, Kevin Smith wanted Prince to appear in the Yeah, yeah, and he refused to do yeah, it. And he, he did the Paisley Park video for him. He actually yeah. filmed an entire concert for yeah. Prince. He went, and he went, he went, I want, all I want is I want the most beautiful girl in the world for the scene where they're coming out the car, out yeah. the van. And he was like, you can't have that, but you can have. Most in the time, yeah. he's like, he's like oh, that's great, Prince, but I kind of, I just, I, I want, I, 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 I need that song, and he's like, and he's like, it's like you record my video for me, and that's it, and he's like, he's like, okay, I record this video, and in, in Kevin Smith's mind, he was like, me and Prince are gonna be best friends now, <laughs> this is it, and they like got on really well. He's like a diehard Christian, but Kevin Smith is like really cool with him, and they're like getting on, and he calls up Prince, and he goes after they've done the video shoot and they've done Paisley Park and everything, he calls up Prince, and he goes. So Prince, and now I've done you a favour, and you're not like, <clears throat> and I'm happy to have done it because it's amazing working with you. But uh, how about it? Can we have Mr. Scan? He's like, he's like, no, but you can have Morris Day in the time. <laughs> uh, I fucking miss Prince because it means there's going to be no more Prince stories. Don't worry, we got Post Malone now. Ugh, fuck's sake. Uh, anyway, so yeah, irreplaceable. You, I get. I, I... Post Malone is that you know in Mulholland Drive when they go into the back of the diner and it's that person in the alleyway. Yeah. That's Post Malone, that is. You know the film Waiting? No. Where it's about Justin Long, Ryan Reynolds working in a restaurant with... uh, Oh, God. This is going to... Justin Long and Ryan Reynolds. Justin Long and Ryan Reynolds. This sounds like it was a super hit. (laughs) They were working in a restaurant together. And, uh, and there's some kids that hang out by the dumpsters. They're like the, they're the wash boys, you know, the ones who clean planes and stuff. There's a fat one with dreadlocks, Post Malone. (laughs) Um, Anyway, sorry, irreplaceable you, completely replaceable. But if you need something that's saccharine sweet and just a little bit charming when the cast, when the two leads are together, then I recommend this. Like Um, Barry Norman, just be mean to the film, why not? I'm not going to be mean to the film. I'm I'm saying something, honestly, I'm saying. Irreplaceable you is totally replaceable. I give it a Selma Blair. That's the irreplaceable you is totally irreplaceable is the bit in the film where the characters read the review of the play the main character was just in and that's the part of the script they the play, the review they read. <laughs> I give it a Selma Blair because you probably would fucking nice if they cast someone else in any one of her roles. Oh come on, freaking what's that film she was in with? <laughs> she's in Hellboy. There you go, there you go. Yeah, and she's in um. <laughs> A Dirty Shame. Oh John Waters God. film. Yeah. Yeah, with a giant, giant... Yeah, because that was a fucking hit. Yeah. <laughs> I think me and you are the only people in the UK to have fucking seen that movie. It's John Waters. You've got to freaking watch John Waters. He wants fruit the dialogue, kill everyone now, condone mass murder. Yeah. Eat shit, and yeah. then eat shit. Yeah. All right, so it's your review. Um, right, I've been playing... Uh, eeny, meeny, money. Assassin's Creed Origins. Ass, ass in Creed. Yeah, you love getting the ass, ass in. Um, that came out last year, and you know I don't think anyone played it. Um, no, it was wasn't it like? Hit, isn't it like the biggest selling Assassin's Creed so far? Yeah, it's it's really, 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 really good. Oh, it's easily 
Like, I mean, I, I was trying to play through the Assassin's Creed games just so I could get to Black Flag. I love Black um, Flag. And I still haven't played Black Flag. I got game. as far as Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Is that the third Ezio one? Revelations yeah. is the second, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I got as far as Brotherhood and just got bored witless. Um, this one's completely redone the entire thing. Like, everything's everything's different in it now. It's like a full-blown open-world thing. The map is ridiculously huge, but it's interesting huge. Like, it's all split up into different areas of Egypt, and you go to, like, Giza and Memphis and Siwa and and Saiz and stuff like that. And I've been to the pyramids in Giza, climbed all the way up one to get to the top, then realised it's not the one you have to go up to get the (laughs) synchronisation. So I had to slide down that pyramid and go to another one and climb up that. Um, But, um, yeah, um, found the Sphinx. It's not as big as I thought it was, and there's a hole in its butt you can climb through. Nice. Um, What's in there? um, There's a tomb with some treasures in it. Nice. And a, um, there's like a weird room. You know, like in, I think it's Assassin's Creed Revelations, you find that weird room that's got the, when the light shines through it and it gives you a, a map of the universe or some shit. Yeah, yeah. It's got a room that looks kind of like it's meant to be that. Like there's a big dome and you can see patterns painted into ceiling. And there's a map of Giza directly below it. That's but like, it's got to be older than the Sphinx. Yeah. So the map with the pyramids on it and the city has got to have been put there before that was built, which is an interesting little thing to find. Mm. Um, it's nice. It's really cool. But yeah, they've, they've changed the controls for the game. The combat's much more like Dark Souls. It's all shoulder button focused. Awesome. Not Dark Souls in the way you have to deal with combat and stuff. Although you do have a dodge roll that gets you out of most attacks and stuff. Yeah. But it's a lot. It's the similar, like literal the button usage is similar, which took ages to get the hang of because I'm not. I can't tell what Dark Souls and all that. But um, yeah. Once you get the hang of it, it's fine. You can hack and slash your way around and they've got all the crafting systems and all that you have to have in these games it's still a Ubisoft game um, although you can choose whether or not you have a beard which you know does does give it's you a important. little bit of, yeah it's a big breakthrough for a Ubisoft game that um, but yeah the the way the world's all opened up is like you can just sort of like every area split up it's got like levels to it so it's like each area is like for level 23 through to something so if you wander in there's a good chance you're going to get slaughtered mm. um but you can wander in if you want. If you want to go and explore, go for it. Um, but yeah, the, the the story, like all the little side missions and stuff have little stories attached to them and sometimes they bleed into stories that happen, side missions that happen elsewhere and things like this. This is a nice touch. It's not so much of these sort of like, we'll come and go, I need you to kill 20 sheep or something or goats or whatever they have in Giza, hippopotamus. I shot some hippopotamuses with an arrow, which was fun. They charge after you. They come after you. They're quite scary. Um, but yeah, the missions actually have proper little storylines. There's one I did last night where um, you rescue a guy from a camp and he wants you to help him find a ring that one of his buddies has got. So you go to find his buddy who's gone somewhere else and he's been captured in another camp. And he's like, I don't have the ring. This other guy, Toru, does. So you go to find that guy and you get the, get him back and he brings the ring back. You cap, sort of find the ring for him and everything. You mm-hmm. bring it back to the camp and the three guys are like, they want the ring and all this sort of stuff. So you just sort of fling it in the air and leave it for them to try and find it. And it just leaves them running around the place. When you go back to the map, they're just still like searching and none of them are talking to each other because they all want the ring for themselves. And they're not fussed that their buddy got killed. Um, but yeah, just one of those like neat little missions with a little bit of charm to them. And uh, yeah, it's not leaning too heavy in the sci-fi futurist Abstergo stuff. Not yet. Not much of it at all. It, like, it flashes. You can jump out whenever you want, but I've, I've never have. But every now and again, it will take you back to this woman who's in a cave in Egypt and she's found... By X body mummified, and she's using the DNA from that to live his memories. And he, um, she finds the body of his wife. So there's a little part where you get to play as her, like commanding a boat, um, mm. sailing towards Pompeii. 
just like do it both to the to the um, Roman Emperor Pompey, not the place okay. Pompey, to meet the Roman Emperor. Because there's like a, there was a civil war in the Roman Empire, wasn't there? Where people turned against Caesar or something. Mm. Caesar took control and then wouldn't let go of it and all that sort of stuff. So Assassin's Creed, the mm. origins. Mm. Um, I've heard, and this is this may just be hearsay and conjecture, but you've heard, have you? I've heard that there's an education mode. Yeah, there's a tour mode they added recently. So I haven't played it yet. You flip over to tour mode, and you yeah. can look at stuff and talk to people. Yeah, you wander around it. Yeah, it, you wander around it as like a. Um, does it feel that historically accurate? I haven't played. Well, the game does. Really? Yeah, the game's like. I mean, I'm noticing little details that I know from Roman stuff to do with when I went to Italy and went mm. around Pompeii and Herculano. And you see, like, the streets having the little raised stones in the middles for the carts to go either side of, but for people to cross over. Mm. Early zebra crossings. Um, but, yeah, they've done a crazy amount of detail in how they build the all the buildings and everything. It's set some time after the pyramids are built, so you don't yeah. see pyramids getting built. But when you climb up them, there's, like, little cracks in it and stuff like that, and parts mm. of it have fallen off already. Because mm. the pyramids used to have, like, sheets going all the way up them, yeah. protecting them, and a the gold top on it. That all went over the years. Yeah. Um, it does miss out on the one obvious opportunity. You can't knock the nose off the Sphinx. I did try climbing on it. Yeah. It's it's an old joke, but... It would have know. been nice for a bit of tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, if you tried to climb it, it falls off. That's what should have yeah. happened. Considering that <laughs> considering that in the last year they had like Thomas Jefferson giving you super yeah. weapons and shit, like they thought... I met um, Cleopatra. She's leading a rebellion. Oh, yeah. Because, um, yeah, Cleopatra's been dethroned by Ptolemy, Ptolemy II, I think it would be. Um, and she's like, you know, basically the early starts of the Assassin's Order. She's all like, these people are in control. We need to take them out. And so you're heading off to find these leaders all around. And there's quite clearly enough space on the screen where you see which leaders you have to assassinate that there's going to be a lot more of them brought up. But from what I understand, it all builds up towards him and his wife forming the Assassin's Order. Um, you even get the blade, the first shooty out blade, which yeah. seems a bit advanced for ancient Egypt, but fine, whatever. It's cool. Is it spring-loaded? Because I don't think they had springs back then, did he, they? He's supposed to pull his wrist back and it flings out. Yeah. But there's one bit where he's fighting a guy and the guy's trying to strangle him and his wrist is, the knife shoots through and chops his finger off and goes into the guy's head. Just stabs him through there and he loses his finger and then he's automatically, when you get out, he's got like, when you get your clothes back because you were in a towel the whole time in this picture, you're hiding, sneaking around a bathhouse. Mm. You get out and he's just got a special glove with a finger cover bit on it for his lost finger. It's fair enough, whatever, cool. Um, you can buy new mounts and horses and stuff in the game. You get new. You can choose all these different horses and camels. But I've stuck with the first camel because it's my camel and I like my camel. I'm not going to not use my camel. You know, I'm not going to mm. swap it for a horse. I'm in the desert. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Camels are better suited for running in the desert anyway because they've got soft feet. Yeah. Whereas a horse has a hoof. Yeah, it does make a difference in the game. Just does it not make it. a difference in the game? Oh, yeah. in real life it does. Yeah. Because camels' feet could disperse pressure out over a wider space, meaning they don't sink as much. Whereas a horse, yeah. maybe these horses just got really fat feet. Maybe who fucking knows? Um, ass ass in Creed. It's really good. You get the bird, you fly your bird around. Yeah, you can guide arrows. Yeah, all historical. But I was accurate. like, um, I was getting attacked by. <laughs> I was attacking some snakes because one tried to bite me as I ran past. Yeah. Like you, yeah. fuck! I heard so Egyptians used to fire snakes, fire arrows at snakes all the time. Yeah, they do. It's how you deal with them from a distance. Yeah. And then the bird flies down, just kills the other one before I get nice. a chance to kill it, which nice. is nice. And sometimes it'll just come down and just go like, fuck up a deer. Yeah, um, you can <clears throat> make it so they can harass people as well. So the bird flies over, spots a guard, and goes down and just starts attacking the guard. You think they just shit on them? Yeah, 
Like aerial assault, just... I think you could do that. Was it Far Cry Primal? Where you could fling stuff at them? Yeah, you could, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing now. In order to, and because Far Cry Primal had birds in it, now all Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft yeah. games need birds. Can't yeah. wait to see how they implement birds in the crew. <laughs> <laughs> the crew too. You'll have a drone. It'll be like... You yeah, know, yeah. It'll be like the Avengers. Yeah. It'll be the Falcon. Yeah, Falcon's drone. Yeah, you'll have drone racers. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm really liking it. It's definitely showing little tiny hints of influence from um, Breath of the Wild and stuff like that. Yeah. I've heard that that's, that's one of the things that people noticed. It was just that it has... What is yeah. it? Um, There's a lot less shit. There's a lot less collecting stuff. Yeah. It's like early on it went, oh, you, you're near a statue of Telemi. Destroy it. It's one of the things you can destroy. And I was like, oh, fuck. This is going to be a thing, isn't it? It's going to be a whole thing. We have to mm. find tons of... As far as I can tell... There's like one in maybe each area, but I don't know. Yeah. And some areas only have one thing to climb, and they're not always a tower. Yeah. Sometimes it's a pyramid. Sometimes it's on top of like a just a pillar that happens to be nearby. Um, but it's quite it's, it's fun. It's got boat bits in it. Mm. There's some guys that hunt you down called um phylacenes, phylates, phylates. That's what they're called. They're like crazy tough guards that try to hunt you down and kill you. Yeah. You gotta watch out for them. Cool. But um, yeah, I'm really liking it. It's a massive game. So you're liking game, Batman Begins yeah. Origins. Yeah. No idea how long it's going to take me to finish it because I've done about 15 hours on it so far and it's I've covered probably about seven of about 30 areas that's on this Jesus. map. It's huge. Like when you see the Giza and you can see the pyramids in the distance from other sections What's of the game. What's the Giza's name? Yeah. Tim. Rich. Tim. <laughs> but you can see the pyramid and when you actually get near the pyramid, they're frigging massive. Like yeah. it took ages to climb up the um, the large one that you need to get to to do the synchronize and those three pyramids are like take up probably about one third of the space of the Giza area and they are huge like one that whole Giza area could be like an entirety of another open world game that 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 one area is like bigger than the city in um, Assassin's Creed 2 which was huge back then mm. um, but yeah it's, it's really good I'm liking it I'm going to keep playing it I'm going to kill some more things um, I might have to buy the other Assassin's Creed games so I can get the L-tier costume. You need to get a certain amount of XP in each of the games to... It's a bit of a pain. Mm, that sounds that. a bit of an arsehole, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've unlocked Ezio's costume so I can go around ancient Egypt wearing an ancient... wearing a Renaissance-era Italian costume. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, good good stuff. Give it a play. It's bloody expensive. But, you know, it, it'll go. It'll be on... PlayStation Plus eventually. Ubisoft games all seem to end up there. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. 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 You you review your penis. Don't okay. review your penis. So my next review, um, I'm going to start with the thing that I I most enjoyed these last few weeks because it's it's something that I only just managed to finish before we were recording this. Oh, your um, penis. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's Love Season 3 on Netflix. Love? Love. The Judd Apatow comedy starring... Oh, it's something by Judd Apatow. That means I barely noticed it was a thing. Gillian Jacobs and... Uh, oh, her from... Community. from community. Yeah, from Community. And Russ... Community. What is his name? Russ something. One sec. Um, but anyway, love season three. So, um, well, let's let's go into what the story of love is before. Because I think I've reviewed series before, but we'll give a brief description of what love is. So Gillian G- Jacobs is an addict. She's addicted to alcohol and love, as she puts it. When she says love, what she's addicted to is fucking disgusting. But she's addicted to she's addicted to sex only when she's in a relationship. So she's addicted to love, but it's it's that feeling of love that she's assigned to it. So it's this feeling of betrayal mixed in with love, like all this heated, passionate, just a melting pot of just bad feelings for most people. She's, she's sort of a addicted mess. to that. She is a mess. Um, 
in season one, they had just met and they were kind of forming a relationship, but he has a lot of issues of his own that he's not really willing to deal with. And she is attempting to deal with hers. Um, that culminated in them agreeing that, yes, they think they can be in a relationship together, but there needs to be a lot of support. Then we get to season two. Season two, the relationship is sort of budding. They're both finding their feet in this, in, together. Um, he's frustrated with his job. She's not frustrated with his job. She, with her job. She's actually doing very well. And she's finding new talent and talent increasing the viewership for the radio, uh, the radio station she works at. But that's impossible. At the same time, that no one she's, listens to radio. Yeah, well, they do podcasts as well. So it's like a recording Who the studio fuck for like podcasts. Loads of people. Uh, but anyway, and uh, and 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 sort of it, again centralized. It was those two, but then also other characters started coming in. So in the first series, we get to meet um, the the housemate of Gillian uh, Jacobs, and it's this very cute Australian girl who uh, who is dating this just layabout fucking moron who's like. Who's playing the Australian girl? Uh, I can't remember her name. Kylie um, Minogue. No, it's not Kylie Minogue. Do you want to get? Oh. Should I get the cast list up so I can? Rebel do this Wilson. Properly? No, it's not. Um, cast. Uh, okay, so Claudia O'Doherty. Don't know who it is. All right, cool. She's not uh, one of the ones from Mad Max Fury Road, so I don't know. Okay, all right. Uh, Paul Two Rust. of the girls from Paul Mad Rust Max is Fury the, Road. Uh, the character. So, um, <laughs> so um, she plays Bertie. Uh, but Bertie is a very sweet Australian girl, very happy, very happy-go-lucky. Um, she starts dating this. Big Bernie dude is fucking useless and everyone can see he's useless. He doesn't have a job, doesn't have a house and he's sort of living off the state and he's he's just an idiot. Just a moron. Spends all his time watching TV and wasting away in their house. Just not. What doing have you done anything. today? I went for a run. I did weights. <laughs> I watched the entirety of season three of Love. Oh wait, weren't you just talking about season two though? Yeah, no, I'm getting, I'm getting that. I'm we'll getting get to that. it so then. So in season three, Bertie is still dating this layabout, but she's started to see how much of a dickhead she is, and there's a lot of cracks in the relationship. They're not really having sex anymore, and she's starting to look elsewhere, not purposefully, but she's sort of having people come into her radar that she maybe wouldn't have noticed before. She's also seeing things about her boyfriend. He started living in his car and Airbnb out his room at his house. Uh, she goes, how long have you done that for? And she says, six months. But he says six months. Says, That's a normal thing to say. It's yeah. not, obviously. Um, also, we uh, we have um, Paul Russ and Jillian Jacobs are dealing with their relationship. They're now finally accepting that they're in a relationship and they're dealing with it. They say things like, I love you for the first time during the season. She meets his parents. He met her father in the last season, but that was sort of like a... Um, that was more like a um, just a coincidence sort of thing. It wasn't a setup. It wasn't arranged. It was just something that happened. Whereas this, they actually go out of their way to go and meet his parents, and she comes with him. And there's there's something that comes from that. And he finally states and accepts that he is he has issues. He makes a lot of very stupid decisions when he's angry, and he gets angry at other people when it's himself making mistakes. So there's a lot of issues with him uh, blaming other people for his problems. But anyway, love season one through three are excellent. Uh, I don't think I'd ever say this about something done by Judd Apatow again. Because, I mean, as much as I like This Is 40 and I liked, you know, I liked some of the TV he's produced. Yeah. Um, he, he tends to be someone who creates a film, like Trainwreck, in fact. Trainwreck, um, as much as Amy Schumer was okay in the, in the lead and Bill Hader was a very good supporting character, John Cena was the standout. And he wasn't really used. Most of the jokes around John Cena in that series were that he was a big guy that cried after sex sometimes. They're like, all oh, right, so you're making a joke about the fact that someone who clearly has body dysmorphia or at least some issue with their body because they're constantly working out but then and they're a normal person in this universe. John Cena, fucking like Apollo, <laughs> like a fucking walking god mm. is fucking a normal person in this universe and no one's going like, that dude might have a problem. Like he might be working out a bit too much. Like, is this not part of his... No, it's not part of his job. He does a normal job and he works out that much. Yeah. That's probably a concern. 
and he cries after sex. John Cena's just a regular average. Like, <laughs> he's an everyman. I, love, I can relate do love, to him. I do love John Cena. He's so the second I'm, coming of Dusty Rhodes. But he's he's he is really good in, in Trainwreck. But like no one. Yeah, you should see him in friggin' twelve rounds. Is he good in twelve rounds? Twelve rounds is actually quite fun. He's good in Sisters as well. Yeah, twelve rounds is the best Die Hard free sequel we ever had. <laughs> but anyway, so sorry back to this. So Judd Apatow produced the series, and normally with Judd Apatow, you find that everything is just stretched out. And it gets too Apatowy. Like he spends too much time going like, "This is my life injected in cinema." Just like fucking, he's like he has to tell his story. And even if someone was to say this could be a half hour shorter, he'd be like, "Yeah, you're right. It could be a half hour longer." <laughs> and just stretch it out. With this, there are nice little jokes here and there. The characters are actually really nice. There's a lot of charisma. There's a lot of people that you can enjoy the company of whilst you're watching it. So you see characters you start building an affinity with. You know, and all in all, like it's not outside the realm of the possible, the realm of possibilities. It's not some magical love story. It's like people fuck up, but they fuck up in a way that means that it doesn't affect their daily life because this is almost the real world. So, like, someone will do something. There is, a, 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 to give an example, there is a scene in the second series where Paul Rust he he is um, he's in a business meeting at the company he works for. He's a teacher who is hired externally to come in and teach the kids. He writes a script and is given the opportunity to write in the writer's room on a series that he's that the cast he's teaching are in, right? He fucks it up monumentally, but because he's not actually a writer, the studio can't fire him. The external group that actually hires him don't have anyone else in the area, so he's just stuck being the fucking person still there. You know, it's like one of those weird things that has actually happened to me in jobs, where someone's turned around and said to me, oh, fuck, that report you did, that was really fucked up. It gave us all the wrong figures. And then you turn around and you say... Well, that was his job. I was doing it for a day because he's fucking useless at it and has done exactly that several times in a row. Mm. And they're like, well, we need to have a conversation about this. It's like, yeah, I won't do his job anymore. Great. That's a great conversation we've had. Now, can I go back to my fucking job? Like, that's literally conversations I've had with people in, in life. So I can, I can see how this stuff happens. Mm. Um, although the relationship is a bit cartoonish, but like the conversations they have when it actually boils down to things. In the second series, there's a really interesting scene in which Andy Dick is out of his head oh, on Andy meds. Andy Dick's in it. In a, yeah, Andy Dick's a problem now. He wasn't a problem. Well, he was probably a problem. He's a problem. Then. He's always been a problem. He's probably always been a problem. Yeah. Um, but when he's in the series, he's actually used fairly well, and it is Andy Dick, basically. So it's kind of like he's treated like a weird asexual goblin monster. Yeah, that sounds well. Yeah. yeah. J- David Spade's treated the same, and he's in it. Oh, fuck. Andy <laughs> Dick and David Spade. Yeah. And it's somehow still good. How good is that? It's like fucking, it's like taking arse of Nick and surviving. Um, but anyway, so I recommend Love Season 1. Is that taking the arse of Nick? Yeah. You'd love taking the arse of Nick. Nick Cage. Um, I recommend it. Season 1 through 3 of Love. I wouldn't recommend binging it. It's probably something that's good to sleep on after watching a couple of episodes, but I don't, I don't work like that, I'm afraid. Yeah, you just put stuff on. Put stuff on, watch it all the way through, get on with it, get on with life. Life. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to take a look around, you're a... Take a look around. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking... (laughs) Fred Durst once said... Hey, you, Mr. Don't Know. (laughs) Fred Durst was a philosopher, man. Was he? Yeah. Was it? Uh, He's he's directing a new film now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Apparently he's quite good at making films. I've not watched any of them. No, he's not. I've watched a couple and they're not good. Um, so yeah, so, um. He's saying that he's not, do- he's doing it. He's I doing give it this to Julianne Moore. Oh, alright. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty great. Is Kev sending me pictures of his wife again? No, okay. 
So, uh, so yeah, I reckon it's pretty great. It's on Netflix. You got Netflix? Check it out. It's also in 4K. So oh, got wow, 4K, 4K TV. Got 4K TV. Oh, like the 2% of people who have a 4K TV. They could really... I'll tell you what, that 2%, pretty happy. <laughs> All right, Ant, you're really... No one gives a shit about 4K TVs. No, no one gives a shit about 4K TVs. That's why... Forks. Uh, don't, do you not want a 4K TV, then? If they're cheap. But... <laughs> oh, so no one gives a fuck about 4K TV, but if they were going I'm cheap... I'm more concerned about having a TV if my TV broke than Your if TV's it's 4K. Your TV's not going to break. It's going pretty good. I don't know. It's doing a weird thing where... It... I can't switch from the PC. If I turn the PC channel off, I can't switch the PlayStation channel on. It's only the PlayStation. It's weird. Anyway, I'm going to review <laughs> Into the Breach. You actually bought it? Yeah, I bought it the other week when it came out. Freaking new release and all that shit. Done by the guys who made FTL. It's a turn-based strategy game, roguelike elements. Cause you, you got roguelike feels a lot elements like Advanced Wars. It's meant. It's, it's not really. It's more like a puzzle game than anything. It feels like a lot like Advanced Wars. It's to me. really not like Advanced Wars. It's a very different type of turn-based strategy to Advanced Wars. Um, yeah, the idea of the game is you're trying to stop an alien invasion from happening, and every time you fail, you can send one of your pilots back in time to give yourself a leg up for the next round that you play through. Um, not too much of a leg up. Like, there's no way you can play it enough that you become unstoppable and you know, I think that churn through it. I think that without adding in an element where they sort of show you like an alarm where stuff's going to appear, it's hard to it's it's hard to it's hard to not. No, know. no, it's always different every time you run back. I know, I know. So you don't really know what's coming. Each mission's different. Really, it's weird because you can't you can't really plan ahead. Mm. You can only plan your robots, can't you? Yeah, How you going to use them? Yeah, you just choose what robots you have. They all different skills and stuff. Um, and it's got a nice mechanic where like. You're not keeping your robots alive, you're keeping the city going. So it's like when the city's destroyed, that's when you fail. So every time a building's knocked down, you lose some power and the power gauge goes down. When the power gauge hits zero, then you're done. But if you go and let a couple of cities get blown up in buildings get blown up in the first stages, mm-hmm. you're not gonna have as much for the later stages. So it's like you gotta balance it out and try and gain extra power when you can and things like that. Um and you gotta look at like what where the enemy's attacking, what they're doing, if you can push them out of the way, because a lot of attacks nudge enemies out of position. So, like, if they're if one of them's aiming to blow up a building with a mortar shell, you can knock him back one. That mortar shell will land another, you know, one space before. It knocks him out in like an X shape. You know, it depends what you're using. Oh, right. Every attack's different. Yeah. Um, but you can like do stuff like set it up so the enemies hit each other at the end of the turn, or you knock them into a danger zone, like where the um, there's earthquake stages where the ground collapses or tsunami comes in, and every turn it washes away part of the stage, which is like um, so you can like knock enemies into that and. You know, wear them out um, but yeah it's a really like complex strategy game that plays more like a puzzle game because whenever the enemies are launching their attacks and stuff and you see where they're attacking you've got to plan out your next move you only get three robots so you've only got three moves to try to you know fix this and sometimes you'll be in a situation where one of your robots is stuck on the spot and can't break free so you might need one of your other robots to break him free so he can do a move that will knock someone out of the way and mm-hmm. stuff and sometimes you just have to sacrifice cities or let your robots get hit. Like you might want to put them in a, you like have to put them in a position to get hit, so that you can save the building from being destroyed. Yeah. Um. It's like it's all about not holding on to the idea of a perfect game. You're not going to have a perfect game. You've got to do the best you can and hope for the best. Um. But yeah, it's it's really addictive. It's got that sort of, it's got a mixture of that civilization style thing where you just keep playing without realizing how long you've been playing. 
but also that FTL thing where the moment you finish, you start another game up straight away. Yeah. Which is a bad combination if you haven't got much time or you might want sleep. <laughs> because, yeah, um, I was going to do a video of it, but everyone's playing it on YouTube, so what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... Sacri- yeah, just oversaturated, man. I um, I finally moved away from um, playing Darkest Dungeon on PC and on PS4 at the same time for no reason other than I'm a fucking idiot. Um, and I started playing this uh, last week hmm. from release as well. Um, and I like it. I like it a lot. It feels a lot like Advance Wars to me, but obviously you don't get the same feeling. It's I not think, like Advance Wars barely think, all, other than I it's think, turn-based. I think turn-based and grid-based and also the power meter. Actually, no, it doesn't. doesn't it feels meter. a bit more like... Um, anyway, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Um, I've been enjoying it a lot. I like the the feeling behind it, and I also like the setup for the for the missions. Hmm. The way you've got the bat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the fact that you've got red zones and stuff and it tells you when, when stuff's... It's just... It's an interesting game. It's very, very basic looking, but mechanically it's so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to... You're right, it's hard to put down. One of the nice things as well is my laptop. If you have a touch screen, it's really good, really intuitive because it's just one fucking mouse key. Yeah, people are asking to bring it out on Switch so they yeah. can... It's like, a great idea. They finally yeah. have a touchscreen game on the fucking Switch. They're bringing Akami out on Switch now. Are they? Yeah, Akami, the, the HD port they did on PS3 and Xbox 360 a few years ago. They're um, bringing that out on Switch, and when you do the spells on it, you can just draw them on the screen. Oh, that's cool. Which is quite a smart way of doing yeah. it. Um, or if you've got it in dock mode, you paint with the Joy-Con, like oh, you did the Wii okay. Remote in the original. Yeah. That's really um, cool. Yeah, Kami's um, a classic. But yeah, Into the Breach, I'm loving it. It's, it came out just the right time as well because I'm looking forward to uh, Pacific Rim 2. Yeah. Pacific <laughs> It's going to be so shit. Ah, it's going to be fun. I don't know about that now. People are just too harsh on those films. It's just I loved Pacific Rim 1. robots punching things. Pacific Rim 1 was great. Yeah, it was a good film about robots punching shit. Yeah. I think Pacific Rim 2 is going to be the Transformers of the Pacific Rim series. <laughs> No, you have to stoop pretty low to be Transformers. Yeah. Like, you have to actually go out of your way to have homophobia and racism. I'm pretty sure that in the trailer they had two lines that have appeared in every every single Transformers movie, and that's, that's how we do it, and hell yeah. My man. Both said by Charlie Day. (laughs) That poor bastard. At the start of the episode, he just breaks in and goes, okay, I've got an idea for a scheme, guys. <laughs> I've got a great plan, guys. I've got a great plan. Um, <laughs> your illiteracy has fucked us once again, Charlie. Your illiteracy has fucked us. <laughs> good. Give me money. Yes. Make me many rich. Yes. Good. Good. <laughs> I need a new series of Always Sunny. Yeah, they're probably not going to do one for a while, are they? They're too busy doing their own other things. But no, stop it. Stop doing your own things. Give us more Always Sunny. Glenn Howerton came out and said he didn't say he was officially off of it. And he yeah. So they could could bring him back on it at some point. He needs, to, he needs to be brought into the Marvel Universe to play Adam Warlock. <laughs> that'd be awesome. He needs to be the literal golden god. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Anyway, sorry. And uh, So is that the end of your review? Yeah, well, fine. Whatever. Is it? No? Yeah, it's good. It's a good game. I agree. Now what? All right. So I'm going to review Mute. Oh, I've already watched that. I know you have. But you watched it wrong, man. I really liked it. You watched it wrong. So Mute is... Uh, did you go through the plot last time? Yeah. Yeah. Mute you don't is need to just go the, through the plot. Mute is the story of an Amish guy who... Uh, who set in the future. Uh, he worked in Berlin 
in a bar. He's an Amish guy who, when he was young, had an accident whilst boating and cut his throat. And because his parents didn't have very much money, they couldn't repair the damage. No, it wasn't. It's because they're Amish and they won't let him do surgery on him. Was that it? Yeah, right, because they're Amish, Amish and they wouldn't it. let him do surgery on him. Kind of blood transfusions and things money, like that. Because later on, money's mentioned, but that's no, no, never mind. Uh, never mind. They don't use it was like, blood yeah, transfusions, yeah. do they? All right, so that's why he, does, he can't talk. But uh, but now he's working in a bar in Berlin, and his girlfriend goes missing. And so he goes on a goes on a, a look about to try and find her. It's Noari. Meanwhile, Paul Rudd and uh, Justin Fallu are uh, two doctors. One of which is a paedophile. The other is a doting father trying to deal with his anger issues and make sure that he keeps his daughter he has safe. A fantastic moustache. Has a fantastic moustache, and I think that's real. You know, I reckon he can just grow that because he's had that quite a few times, hasn't he? Yeah, he put the um, Ant Man costume on his face and just grew yeah. the hairs out. Ugh. Just made him big. Um, just got uh, the trousers like across his face. Yeah, and then just pressed the button. Yeah, and just went. <laughs> poof. Yeah, um, Mute is an okay film. There are problems. You you've got problems. I do with the movie. You are correct. So Mute's an interesting movie because plot wise, I think that I think it was meant to be in a different way, but you disagree. Yeah, because it's, it's the story plays out exactly how it should. Okay, so one of the one of the more problematic things for for me during the film is Paul Rudd's character. Um, shall I go into spoilers? No, spoilers. Jump ahead five minutes if you don't want to hear the spoilers. So jump ahead to fifty eight thirty six if you don't want spoilers. Paul Rudd's character is revealed to be the main murderer, and uh, and and he kills. The person that is dating, um, old Amish man because it's his ex-girlfriend and she's threatened to take her child back. Um, the problem with this is that throughout the film we're told that Paul Rudd is going to be extradited for being AWOL from America and he had to pay a lot of money and do a lot of things to get his daughter and him over into Berlin to make sure that, you know, um, everything went smoothly and he could protect his daughter in the, in the journey and, and make sure everybody around him wasn't going to hand him in because there's an extradite, there's an extra, extradition, 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 extradition. Is it extradition? It sounds like a weird word to me right now. Sound like that. Yeah. So there's like an agreement between, Ber- uh, between Germany and America that they extradite anyone who has a crime and they can be tried in America or wherever they, they are from. Um, so, the weird thing about that is that it's revealed that the the mother is also there. And throughout the film, um, obviously, she's being looked for by, um, not Stellan, but one of the other Skarsgårds. Alan Skarsgård. That sounds right. So, um, Alan Skarsgård. <laughs> Alan Skarsgård. Um, so, he's trying to find his dead girlfriend. He turns out to be the mother of Paul Rudd's daughter, who he's had with her the whole time. Paul Rudd. Dead and, girlfriend. He's just trying to find his girlfriend. Yeah, uh, Sorry, dead girlfriend girlfriend whatever what's the difference in this film she's fucking dead um, spoil the film <laughs> we're in spoiling stuff got another three minutes 32 yeah. um, so what happens you don't is, know that uh, I might have to cut bits out earlier that's true so Paul uh, Rudd Paul Rudd so Paul Rudd turns out that Paul, yeah, Paul Rudd killed the girl because she was trying to get the daughter back even though they're in very close proximity and could quite easily both look after the little girl he decided that her trying to get her back or get partial custody is enough for him to kill her 
This doesn't make sense in the context. No, he's of... intending to leave Berlin and get back to America. Yeah, he's 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 intending to do that, but he could talk to her and she could go back without any issue because she is not a citizen that's on the run. She doesn't want to go back, but she does. She says that she doesn't feel like that's her home. She wants mm. to go home. Like it's such a weird turn for the movie, and throughout the film, Justin Fru is being treated as like this sweet guy, but then we're getting hints that he is a paedophile. Yeah, and it feels like People the idea are... behind it was originally that. Justin Theroux would be the main villain and what would happen is it would get to a certain point and he betrayed Paul Rudd because Paul Rudd called him out for his paedophilic nature for filming little girls and that would be the turning point for Justin Theroux in which he would just go, he'd snap, kill Paul Rudd and then try, then kill the wife to make sure that no one was going to take the little girl away and then keep the little girl locked up in the room that she's trapped in at the end of the film. It makes more fucking sense. The problem is that, that they obviously had Paul Rudd for a limited amount of time He's killed off and made the villain, but I think that something changed. I think that originally the script was that Justin Fru was the main villain, yeah. and that works He's within made the context that film for like twelve years. Yeah, he didn't I know. Change it. I, he probably has changed it a bunch in yeah, that time. Yeah, he didn't change it by the time he was getting to Netflix. No, like but I reckon he, he did. I reckon this has changed since he got it to Netflix because it doesn't make any fucking sense for Paul Rudd to be the main villain. I know that they show that he has anger issues throughout, but he's gone Neither through more. the main villain. But Justin Fru is the main villain. He goes to no, kill the hero. He goes to kill both... the hero and kidnap the little girl as a fucking sex slave. Yeah. He is the key... But they're like... both bad people. Yeah, That's the whole point. Paul like... Rudd, Paul Rudd is, an, is an inherently bad person. He does bad things to protect his daughter, but he is just in his journey to protect his daughter because everyone is corrupt. That's the whole he thing in the film is that everyone is a mixture of good and evil. The guy who yeah. runs the frigging um, crime syndicate thing, the Russian guy, is yeah. all, well, he's all like, yeah, I'm going to get you your passports and stuff, don't worry about it, mate. Yeah. He's all right. He's helping out people. He's not entirely bad. Everyone in it is like a mixture of good and bad. But Justin Theroux is just bad. No, he's actually... He helps kids. He helps them. He he genuinely wants to help kids who are disabled. No, he wants to fuck the kids. He just wants an excuse to get close to them. Because he's a pervert. Yeah, he But he's very good at helping... Yeah, but he's only good at helping kids because he wants to fuck kids. If he didn't want to fuck kids, he'd be good at helping everyone. Yeah, he could probably help everyone as well. (laughs) But he doesn't. He just fucks kids. He's consolidating. But the problem... This this is the problem. It makes so much more sense for Justin Theroux to be the main villain. And it would make the whole end scenes make more sense because he'd be trying to wipe out every connection to that little girl to make sure that he could have that horrible little arrangement that he wants so badly. But instead, what they've done is, at the end, they've gone, no, Paul Rudd bad, Paul Rudd killer. Doesn't make sense, but okay, Paul Rudd went into her house and went to kill her, even though if she was to get joint custody, he could still see his daughter, and his daughter would be able to get an official passport, and oh my god, that would make life so much easier for him, and then he would just have to get a fake passport for himself, travel separately without a child to go back to America, where his family could be waiting for him, and all the money that he's accrued, she could say that's money she's earned being a stripper, that's fine, so he's already got, look, there's a path of credit, that's how he's going to get his money back, and then he just goes back to America, and everybody's fucking happy. What's someone going to do in that situation? Oh yeah, Justin Fru likes being a paedophile, likes being in that country, so of course he's going to stay there and he's going to do everything he can to keep that sweet little child that he's so close to all the time so he can fuck her in that little room that locks from the outside but not from the inside Jesus Christ it's so it's so easy to fix this this is the problem don't he say you're fixing films because, no because it is it needs fixing this is Go my on, problem tell, to tweet, tweet Duncan Jones I will tweet Duncan Jones yeah. I will tweet Duncan Jones as soon as this podcast is done I will tweet Duncan Jones I'll say I'm really sorry but can I ask a question was it originally meant to be and then we'll see what he says because say that no. makes more fucking sense tell me that doesn't make more sense he wrote made the film he wanted to make I know he made the film he wanted to make but I feel like there has still been influence there I don't think Netflix things don't have to be so straightforward man no they don't have to be so straightforward but if you could have like can you imagine it would be it would make more sense 
the story would make more sense. It doesn't make sense like this. I know you like the People film. People do things that like don't make Warcraft. sense, man. I know they do, but come on. If you're <laughs> making... It's a narrative-driven product. It is something you create, and in your head you go, oh, look, these are the connecting tissues. This is how it works. This is how this all goes together. If you get to a point where you're like, oh, then that's the killer, and it doesn't make sense because you've made him the killer because why? Oh, right, it makes sense to do it that way because... Oh wait, no, the daughter's right there and the wife's right there and they're not really that... Oh, this doesn't make sense. Maybe it's you, because you weren't paying attention. I was paying full attention. I just repeated the plot. It's very clear that he's a bad person who's killed people. Yeah, because he was in the war. He's got PTSD. That doesn't mean he's an awful person. And he only hangs out with gangsters. Their job is just to fix gangsters and save gangsters. And they have a gangster come in and they punish the gangster. And they have to punish the gangster because they have to be like, oh, this is happening. Look, it makes sense for him to be an anti-hero, but not the flower villain that he becomes. It doesn't make any fucking sense. No. It just doesn't. It doesn't make for a good movie this way. That's fine. It's good. Anyway. It looks great. It does. It looks great. There are some weird choices, like, plot-wise, other than the ones I've already mentioned. There's some odd notes and beats, but fine. Um, There's some really weird parts they've inserted, like the voice box scene. At the end, there's that voice box scene that doesn't really need to happen. But, you know, okay. I think that I think that that again that's something left over from something else he wanted to do. Maybe he wanted to try and force him force him to give a confession or something like that. I don't know. Like it seems like that again is another thing that was sort of dropped off. It doesn't make a ton of sense being in there, but you know, um, I think that again that might have been added after the fact because to have someone apologize for a murder that you could have prevented, or because the whole it doesn't make sense in the context of the scene that goes before it. If you know what I mean? Well, he said he wants to talk to him. No, he doesn't. He says he wants him to apologise. Yeah, for killing his friend. But, you know, like... Yeah, he wants to hear him apologise. But, you know, I mean, like, that doesn't... That, it, it, you know, that's that's a weird choice. Because they're even, messed up people. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> they're messed up people and they do dumb, illogical things. I know, but... You, that's a large part of the film. I know, but it's you know what I mean about a bunch of people who do this. dumb shit. You know, you, you know, you can see the cracks forming that's in fine. the plot. It's, no, it's, it's just not. But I like, like dirty noirs. I like that. In terms, in terms of Doug Jones' film, this is the worst. Doug Jones. Doug Jones. Is No, not Doug Jones. What is it? Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones. In Jesus. terms of Duncan Jones' films, this is the worst one. But considering that, you know... It, right now, for me, it goes moon... Source code, then Warcraft, then this. And I am starting to see Warcraft in a better light now that it's been a while. But this, I don't think I'm going to be able to see past where I can, I can tell the plot has been changed. I can tell that someone's changed. You're only saying it's been changed because you don't like how it went. No, it's not because I don't, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. This is what I'm saying. Like, as a timeline, it doesn't make sense. It makes more sense for it to be the other way. It makes perfect sense for it to be the other way. To and you. if that was no, but that's to everyone. That would make more sense to you as a viewer. But any if the viewer. thematics of things don't make sense all the time, but that's not the case. It is the whole film is constantly f- people acting in ways you don't expect them to. But they don't. Like they do. the guy's trying to hunt down his girlfriend, so he uses any. You got your says, mute guy who there's... like goes into rages and attacks people. He goes into rages because he's he's constantly fucking berated by everyone around him. Everyone rips the shit out of him constantly. Yeah. It's pent up aggression. But he's an Amish guy. He's supposed to be peaceful. No, and but quiet. he's not Amish because he's already broken several of the rules of yeah. you know the Amish. He's he's if anything he's on Rumspringer. 
Like, even, like, just being given the phone and using the phone, that's breaching his Amish beliefs. Even working behind a bar yeah, where they serve he, alcohol is breaching his Amish beliefs. the person who's asking him to do it gives him handjobs, so... <laughs> you know, as soon as he started working at a bar or using a swimming pool or, you know, driving a car, getting on a bus, working in a fucking... working in a place that had electricity, he's breaking Amish guidelines. Yeah. So he's not Amish. Yeah. Like, to say he's Amish is wrong. He's not. He was he was raised in an Amish community, and obviously he holds some resentment for that because he can't talk. And there are scenes in which the frustration of him not being able to express himself are very, very clear. Stuff like he'll have conversations with, with someone, and he'll have to pause a conversation to write down what he wants to say. And then when they look at it, occasionally they'll take it the wrong way, or won't understand, and he has to write additional stuff. There are great scenes like that in this, and there are some fantastic little points they pick up. Like, the, the, they didn't need to repeat the swimming pool scene in which he's screaming into the filter. Like, that could have just been once, and then you understand, like, oh, that's once. his frustration. I thought it happened twice. No, it only happens once. I might be thinking of the end where he's in the water. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe, down. maybe. But, um, but yeah, it's just like, scenes like that are great. That's, mm. that's great. That shows the frustration. He's trying to communicate. He can't. And, and, you know, there are a lot of bits in here that are well forced out. That's why I'm so frustrated by the way the plot goes. You should rewrite it. Go make your own remake of it. Yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah. Fi- go on. You said you can I'll, fix it. I'll, I'll tell fix directors it. that you tell the directors you can fix their films. But I don't think it's the director's fault. I think that Duncan Jones is a great director. Look at Source Code. Source Code in anyone else's hands would be an incompetent piece of shit, but in his hands, I really like it. And like even Moon, Moon as a concept. That was his. Wasn't that his first film? Yeah. And it's fucking brilliant. Hmm. I mean, yeah, Kevin Spacey isn't it, but. <laughs> he can't touch anyone in though. No, he's a robot. Yeah, he's yeah. a robot. He can't touch anyone, anyone, but he can touch our hearts. Mm. As a robot. Mm. Um, but yeah, mute. I, I don't know how to rate it. I think that it depends on on what your understanding of. Or uh, I guess it depends on what you feel about the plot. If you like yourself, you liked it. Um, even Mark Commode came out and said, like, I watched it once, and I think reacting to it the way I did after watching it a second time. I prefer it, but I mean, I don't think I'm going to have, because I have tried to watch it since, and it's the first time I watched it all in one go. Second time I tried to watch it, I could only get through half an hour, and then I sort of got bored, and I decided that I was going to do something else, and something else pulled my attention off that. It was just one of those things where I think that, I think that the, the inconsistencies in the plot and what I see are glaring omissions or changes to what, what seems to be a simple story. It could have been a very simple, very concise story with a really, really good villain because Justin Furrow and, and Paul Rudd are great in this. It's only in the last few scenes that they're in that this falls apart and that's weird decisions by Justin Furrow and then terrible directing decisions in regards to Paul Rudd's character. That's the problems I have with it. And that does kind of ruin it for me. Because up until that point, I fucking, I'm fully invested. Like stuff, like there are weird scenes like where he's driving the car and stuff and he's not looking where he's going and I'm like, well, this is bad. This is silly, but you know, fair enough, whatever. People drive while looking at their phone. It happens. Stop playing with your There's hair. There's a fly in the room somewhere. Um, but yeah, I can't give Mew a great score. A fly in your hair. Get no, your it's hair not, cut. it was just a fly around us in the room. Um, I can't. I can't say Mew is a great film. I can't say it's like a truly bad film. So I'd give it like a. I don't know. I give it. A, um. I see you go for 10 seconds of silence. I give it Sandra Bollocks. Yeah. Sandra Bollocks. No, Sandra Bullock. I give it Sandra Bullock. That's okay. We give 10 seconds of silence there. I can use that for noise reduction. There you go. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah cheers. That's all right. <sighs> right. Well, my, last, my last review. Yeah. I'm going to review Jessica Jones season two. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Um, 
yeah, season one was all about like um, surviving an abusive relationship and breaking the cycle of all that stuff. And season two is basically about sort of um, dealing with mental health, like mentally, people who are mentally unhealthy have got addictions, um, sort of sort of tales of like where you come from and where you're going, all this sort of stuff. There's a lot more. There's a lot more elements. Whereas season one was really focused on one particular storytelling thing, mm-hmm. and this one's more about mental health as a whole. Um, and also, like every single director who works on it, being quite clearly very thirsty for Ekadarville. Because, um, like, every single episode practically that he's in involves him taking his clothes off in some capacity. Which one's that? Malcolm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the former Power Ranger. Yeah, he's hot. Yeah, they really need to write his Power Ranger abilities into this, though. It's a bit weird he hasn't morphed yet. Um, he could solve so many problems by morphing. Or, with, no, he'll probably just get morphine, won't he? Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, really good series where Jessica Jones find out about her past and, you know, stuff they hinted at in the first series that there was like, you know, how did she get her powers? Where did all that come from? Mm-hmm. You get little hints of it and this is all about all that and you find out. Kind of like what Luke Cage did through half his season where it was all about him finding how where his powers came from. Um, but yeah, I, it's good stuff. More Jessica Jones stuff. I don't know if it's as good as the first series, um, but the first series did have freaking David Tennant the whole way through it just being amazing through that series. Just using all his Doctor Who mannerisms in creepy ways and like just twisting around, like making you feel unsafe. Because, like, you know, you see David Tennant in a suit, it's particularly a blue suit or a purple suit, like Doctor Who would wear, and he's talking like Doctor Who but being really frigging creepy and disturbing. Like, that was genius, genius stuff going on there. And in this one, he's more, he, he crops up in one episode just for a cameo plus moment mm. although every now and again if you pay attention to cinematography there are moments where there's red purple lights and purple colour used in scenes and in paintings yeah and Jessica's having those little moments and it's like ooh purple coming in and a little bit of yellow as well for Luke Cage because you've got to acknowledge him um, but yeah I've, it's a really good series I thought so far they're messing up with the characters they're taking them down dark paths and playing around with them um, I think Malcolm and they need to do a show that's just about Hogarth's company just have um, friggin What's his name from Daredevil? Mm-hmm. Did she take foggy. him? Yeah, get Foggy. Well, Foggy wouldn't have gone with her. Yeah. He was part of the firm, wasn't he? Yeah. But get get her hiring hot Foggy, get Malcolm on the side, have a little investigative thing. Um, I feel a lot with Jessica Jones as well is it's the only one out of all these Marvel shows where, like, the main character does their job. Because Daredevil, like, Matt Murdock doesn't do much lawyering in that show beyond maybe talking to people in prison, like, after they've been arrested. And that's about as far as his lawyering goes. How, mm. like, it's been about, what, three courtroom scenes over two series of Daredevil and one series of Defenders? Yeah. Like, there's not much Matt Murdock solving court cases, which was always a massive thing in the comic books. Like, this whole, like, the Spider-Man arc where Peter Parker gets um, outed as Spider-Man and he convinces everyone he's not by hiring Matt Murdock as his lawyer. <laughs> and Matt Murdock dresses up as Peter Parker yeah. in, as Spider-Man in spare time and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, you need more stuff like that. Crazy... Crazy courtroom drama stuff and that, but in this Jessica Jones is entirely focused on detective stuff, and this series is very much a detective, yeah, like investigative detective series. Has a nice has a nice tinge of business, yeah. And the music um, on it as well, like just being that sort of classic gumshoe detective, mm. like music just playing around and stuff. It's um yeah, it's really good. Yeah, not spoiling how- stuff because it's only just come out. Don't spoil things. How did you feel about there not really being a villain? Eh, that's okay. Don't need yeah. a villain. 
That's what I'm saying. You can't keep going to these constraints of storytelling where it's all no, like. No, 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 no. no I'm, I'm not this. saying. I'm not saying it's bad. Like, I'm. I'm just saying. How did you feel about there not being any villains? Really? No. People are complex, man. Yeah. No but, one's necessarily entirely good or bad. That's kind of the whole through line of the series. Yeah. See. I think that even friggin' Pat, uh, Trish Walker's mum occasionally shows signs of being a decent person. Yeah. And then also completely not. How bad was that Patsy song? <laughs> That's amazing. So they need to release that video. Yeah, it's so fucking bad. Yeah, it's perfect. It's um, spot on perfect. I liked it as well. <laughs> yeah. I had I had like a couple of problems with pacing, but I think that they're you're gonna find that with any T V mm. programme. I don't know why they keep trying to stretch to thirteen episodes. I think this could have been a really solid ten. Yeah. I think it's Netflix order, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, but they've, they've sort of got back on track a bit after Luke Cage, not Luke Cage, after um, Iron Fist Iron Fist and Defenders. Defenders wasn't as wobbly as Iron they Fist. They don't but mention any of the Defenders stuff in this. Um, they mention Danny Rand. They mention Danny Rand, but yeah. they don't mention any of the Defenders stuff in yes. this. Um, there are some really good scenes in this. Like, this is um, a lot shot a lot clearer than any other stuff. Yeah. The lighting's a lot better in terms of like how they how they actually but shoot. It's mostly stuff. in daytime, and all the other yeah. ones were all night. Even nighttime stuff, even nighttime stuff, like they've got well lit scenes. It's yeah. not it's not as dark and as murky as you she get. Still with needs a costume. She needs a superhero pink, purple no. and pink, <laughs> silver and purple costume. Um, I'd probably say that she's got to be in Trish's cupboard somewhere. Who she is your Who is your favorite character of the season? Who's your MVP? I don't know. I mean. Malcolm's pretty rad. Malcolm is awesome, isn't he? Yeah. I liked him in That's season cool. one, but like in this season, he's pretty strong. Yeah. Um, I like they brought home Simpson back for like five minutes and mm. then just kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Spoil. He's in this is the first couple of episodes. He's probably. in the third episode, isn't he? He uh, sec- he's, yeah, he's like very early on. But yeah, Will comes back only to die. Mm. The Wizard's in it. The Wizard's in it. Yeah, which is a proper Wizards deep Marvel. Very, very briefly. Yeah, that's um, a proper deep Marvel reference to... It's not any of the Wizards that we've seen so far in the Marvel <laughs> Universe. So it's a whole new iteration of the Wizard. Well, no, it's um, one of the things that's great about it is... Because you, do you know the Wizard, how the Wizard gets his powers in yeah. the comics? He gets bitten by a venomous snake in Africa as a child and his dad uses mongoose blood. Well, as a transfusion it gives him yeah, mute, gives him superpowers it's, hung, it's yeah, that's, it's pure 1940s Marvel comics yeah. well it's actually USA comics at the time it was one it was one of the ones that Marvel brought USA comics and brought their characters Wizard was one of those yeah. but he's turned up again he was in like the Spider-Man animated series and all that um, but yeah he's got a pet mongoose running around which is just nice little touch which is great I was just like the Wizard Jesus the Wizard really but yeah. I mean they can't use him in the Avengers film now <laughs> Well, they can't use that iteration. Yeah, they've already killed Quicksilver. Who's going to be their fast running person um, in in the Avengers Infinity War? Um, like, there's still there's still that. Like I said, there's still the same issue. They're here to 13 episodes, and they just need to condense it down a bit. I think a bit more focus in it. But but that's one of the things the Defenders had a strength was that there's only like eight episodes, wasn't there? Yeah, and it just got on there, and it was kind of like it took a bit of time to get them all in the same room. But mm. um, like that's okay for the first episode. Is yeah having them all separate but you needed to get them I want together quicker because the second half of that series is a full on action adventure series and it's quite fun yeah and Danny Rand turns into a MacGuffin yeah which is exactly what he is the best thing he can be for that show I think there's only one episode of The Defenders that I truly liked and that was the Chinese restaurant oh yeah yeah, yeah. that was the only episode I enjoyed the rest of it yeah. I was just like rest of it I was just like eh. Yeah. yeah, but that's the, but Punisher was really good and Punisher just, was fucking great yeah Punisher was great eight episodes in and out done there was like 13 episodes Was there that? 13 episodes yeah. of that as well? Fuck me. Yeah, yeah. Punisher was great. Yeah, it was great. Punisher, had, Punisher had one of the best end fight scenes as well. Yeah, gruesome as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Again, that's a series that had a lot of characters that were morally ambiguous. Yeah, and Prince Caspian gets his face fucked Prince up at Caspian, the end of it. Ben Barnes gets his face yeah. ripped to shitterines. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so uh, Jessica Jones, t- season two. Like, it's still the second best Marvel series for me. Hmm. But that means it's still one of the best series on TV right now. Well, on Netflix. On mobile phones. On mobile phones. Not on Switch. You still no, can't watch on Netflix on Switch, which is a bit weird, isn't it? Well, it's only a 720p screen, so it makes sense. So? Like, there are way more competent Yeah, but it's like though. literally the only ele- electronic device in the world that you can't watch Netflix on, as far this as I true. can tell. Knock your engage. Knock your engage, jeez. <laughs> it's a deep dive for you. Um, but yeah, Jessica Jones season two is good. Um, it's not going to be my final review. I won't go into detail. I've seen Fine, it all. Don't then. I've seen it. Well, you got to make sure your final review is a good thing then. Something important. Or did you not think about what you were going to make as your last review so for the finale of the episode? So I saw Maze Runner. You, you reviewed Maze Runner last time. Black Panther? Uh, no, 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 no. One sec, one sec, one sec, one sec. People are still talking about Black Panther. It went past one billion at the box office. I know today. it did. Yeah, I was very impressed. Which is the most action. money a film starring Martin Freeman has ever made. Well done to Martin Freeman for. Is that the most money of Martin Freeman? I think so. Yeah. Oh no, he's in. No, The Hobbit. None of the Hobbit films broke a billion, yeah. did they? No, they didn't. No. 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 No, there were a ton of those. And Hitchhiker's movies. Guide to the Galaxy certainly didn't. No. <laughs> Even though I kind of wanted it to. Do you think there's going to be a bit in Avengers Infinity War where Doctor Strange and um, Everett Ross go to a fancy dress party dressed as Sherlock Holmes and yes. Watson? There definitely will be. But Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange is Watson. <laughs> <laughs> Crossover! Yeah. Um, they both uh, turn up dressed as Watson and one of us has to change. So Benedict Cumberbatch goes, Phew, changes himself. Um, sorry, one second. Oh, fuck's sake. I'm just going through, I'm just quickly going through films. You could review Black Panther. Yeah, I could have, but I, I don't want to review that if you've already reviewed it. Oh, you review Mute? Yeah, but I wanted to review Mute because we had different <laughs> opinions. We both really fucking love Black Panther. I've already reviewed Jumanji too, haven't I? No. All right. Uh, oh. The Greatest Showman. Did you go see that? I did. But I already spoke about The Greatest Showman, didn't did I? You? I don't know. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I did. Well, it's either it's either Jumanji 2 or it's um, Downsizing with Matt Damon. Oh, God. Did I already review Downsizing? No. All right, I saw Downsizing, Pitch Perfect, and Jumanji. So it's the mediocrity review. <laughs> Either way we go. Well, Jumanji's good, apparently. Jumanji 2 is okay. Jumanji 2 is... Uh, it stars The Rock. It's instantly very good. Well, Jumanji 2 is okay. I think it just proves how watchable The Rock is. Jack Black mm. actually gives a good turn, and um, Karen Gillan does as well. And Kevin Hart's there as well. Kevin Hart's a bit weird in it. He's very popular in America, and not just, over here. He just plays Kevin Hart again. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of like Martin Lawrence was, like, ten years ago. Chris Tucker, I always compare him to a bit more. No, It's the high-pitched no. voice. Chris Tucker Chris Tucker was always a weird character actor, but, like, his character was always Chris Tucker. Martin Lawrence was always, was always like, Perpon Dad or Gangster Guy. What about in Blue Streak? He was Gangster Guy. Oh, yeah. What about Black Knight? He was Gangster Guy. Was he? Yeah. To Never Family. Oh. All right. Name When's he going to get his own Marvel Name film? another film that he's in. Well, um, which one is he? He's Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence. Bad boys? Oh, yeah, what are you going to do? Put upon father. What are you going to do when they come for you? Put upon father. Yeah. Um, Can you think of any other Martin Lawrence films? I'm trying to make sure I don't mix them up with another Big black House? actor. Okay. Big Mama's House? Oh, Big Mama's House too. Yeah, put upon, put upon family. Uh, he's a cop, isn't that? Yeah, yeah, he's got a son, remember? Yeah. Big yeah. Mama's House free. He was in... Like father, like son. <laughs> he was in... Oh, no, it's Ice Cube was in the one with the dogs, wasn't it? Snow Dogs. Snow Dogs. Yeah, that's Ice Cube. No, that's... That's not Ice Cube. Isn't it? No, that's an Oscar-winning actor, Cuba Gooden Jr. Is it? <laughs> it's Fucking no. hell. I knew it was a cube of some kind. 
So anyway, yeah, so uh, Jumanji 2 is all right, but it's not really, there's not really much to talk about there. Like, in terms of other than one of the Jonas Brothers now looks like he's had sex. Pitch Perfect 3 is a weird film because it becomes like... But now you can tell whether Wilson's had sex. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Pitch Perfect 3 is weird because John Lithgow's a bad guy and also um, he's Rebel Wilson's father. Yeah, believable. It becomes all about the military. Was he in the other ones? No, but it becomes all about the military. All oh, right. And military powers being pretty much the main power in the do world. Do they do a USO show? They do. Where they're going to um, execute Terrence and Philip. Yeah, yeah, they do. Oh. Um, and then downsizing, which has a really crass and really poorly thought out environmental message. That has Christoph Waltz, so it wins by default. <laughs> Directed downsizing? Uh, Steven Soderbergh? Oh. Maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe not. Probably not. Probably like some strange foreign director that's got a chance. Visually, I think that... So the problem is that, like, they're all very mediocre. Like, there's nothing I can really go out on a high note on. And maybe if you combined all three into, like, a film, it would be great. But but nothing really that stands out. I think out of all of them, I recommend people watch Jumanji more than anything. Yeah. It's the least mean of all of them. It's the most um, self-aware as well, really fucking surprisingly. Um and, uh, I think it's, gonna, it's as good as Rampage is going to be. Rampage is going to be really bad. <laughs> I actually think Skyscraper is going to be a lot of fun when it I comes think, out. Oh, no. I don't know if you've heard about this. There's a film coming out pretty soon that I'm very excited about. Yeah. Hurricane Heist. No, not going to. Hurricane no, Heist. That's going to be an asylum film, isn't no, it? No, it's not. It's a real film coming to cinemas. Oh. It's got actual actors in Wait, it. Wait, what's the film with What's-His-Face from City Slickers where they go to the town to do a heist? And it's, there's a, there's a, oh, it was a snowstorm, wasn't it? Fuck, what was that film? Snowstorm and a heist. Oh, you mean... Um, the guy's in City Slickers and um, Home Alone. Joe Pesci? No, the other one. Daniel Stern. Oh, Daniel Stern? Yeah, there's a film where they go to rob a bank. Oh, in a, um, They get stuck oh, in a convenience yeah, store. Yeah, Stuck in Paradise. No, that's not, yeah. that's not him. That's... Uh, is Daniel Stern's in that? No, Daniel Stern isn't in that. Daniel Stern is not in that. Uh, it's Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it's not. Dana Carvey. And it's John Lovett's. Don't be silly. I'm 100% sure sure that's the cast. This is where I prove my powers. It's Nick Cage, so it's like Stuck in Paradise or whatever it is. Oh, God, my phone won't type the right letters. Stuck in Paradise? Um, We're both going to have to have a look now because it is is definitely... It doesn't come up on IMDb when you start... One sec, one sec, one sec. There's nothing called Stuck in Paradise. Paradise. Yeah, it is. It comes up first of all. Uh, Trapped in Paradise. Trapped in Paradise. Nick Cage, Dana Carvey, and John Lovitz trapped in paradise. Three criminals escape from jail to go rob a bank. <laughs> Why do you hate John Lovitz? I don't hate John Lovitz. I'm saying that I have this weird brain thing where I can tell you the films you're thinking. Roger Ebert gave it 0.4 out of 5... No, sorry, 0.5 out of 4 stars. <laughs> Half a star. I so anyway, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about all the films just because they all fucking work in the same way. They were poorly poorly planned messages. Like Jumanji is, um, you remember you've only got one life, so you have to live. Daniel Sturm's in Leviathan. <laughs> yeah, Buzz six pack. We weren't talking about Leviathan. Parish. We weren't talking about Leviathan, the greatest. Did film he have a six pack in that film? No, mm. he's called six pack because he drinks a lot. Oh, yeah, he was in Chud. Yeah, he was. How did you not know he's in Chud? He plays preacher, or is it Bishop? Whatever it is, he goes down and helps the homeless people that eventually become the Chuds. I know quite a lot about Daniel Stern's career. Are you trying to find a film that doesn't exist because you want to prove me wrong? 
<laughs> it's trapped in paradise. I'm telling you. You think Daniel Stern is Nicolas Cage, but it's Nick or Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey has similar hair. Yeah, it's Dana Carvey. Yeah, it's Dana. I told you it was Dana Carvey. No, you didn't. You said it was Daniel Stern. I said it was Nicholas Cage, John Lovitz, and Dana Carvey. I knew who what it was. Anyway, that's besides the point. I'm too much of a film nerd to have this discussion. Yeah, they all have weird messages. So, um, Pitch Perfect Free. It is the military is like great, and everybody should fucking love it. Um, Downsizing. The story is the world's going to end. And we're not going to see it coming, but something that we do around the time of the world ending is going to coincide with humorous's um, continued dominance and viral like spread across the earth. Um, and we just make um, ourselves smaller, so we, you know, pray for birds. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and uh, Jumanji, like I said, it's just it's got the nicest, most sincere message. The humor is quite good. Um, some of the fight scenes are actually really funny as well because they're video game logic fight scenes. Hmm. So um, the Rock. The rock breaks someone's neck in this. Nice. He does a full-on twist of the chin in the back of the head, and he kicks someone, and they fly into a wall. Just all in all, it's very cartoony, but it works. Um, but yeah, it's it just other than again, it's got a bit of a problematic ending. Like it's a bit of a weird ending, but I think that I think that the reason reasons behind that are just I think the director maybe lost track of where they were at. Everybody has lives, so yeah. everybody in the game has three lives, and it's indicated by three lines on their wrist. Yeah. Yeah. And every time they lose a life, they lose, they lose a line on their wrist. Um, one of the characters, um, dies at some point, but you can't really tell. So she loses a line, but then later on she dies again. She's got a third one. But at the time when they're like sort of getting ready to gear in and go into the jungle, the guy who's only got one life is like, I've got to do this. She never steps up and goes, no, no, I'm a very physically capable woman who can go in and do this. And I've got two lives. So the risk factor is lower for me. Hmm. But instead it's just like, I've got to go do this. And they're like, Good, good job, good, good, good. <laughs> Go on then. Like yeah, that. It's, it's a bit weird, but um, other than that, like it's it's not meant for adults, really, is it? I think it's meant partially for those that have a lot of nostalgia around Jumanji, but then mostly should be adults. Yeah, but it's mostly <laughs> for kids. I think it's partly for the people that remember mm. Jumanji because it's not called Jumanji Two, is it? They've avoided that. They call it Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. But we yeah. got our Jumanji too. We only got our Welcome to the Jungle star in the rock. Yeah, that's what the rundown was called over here. Yeah. Yeah. Which the rundown has one of the best opening fight scenes in in recent history. It's classic that film. It has a really good fight scene at the beginning, doesn't it? Can't remember the one. There's, there's the one in the club. Yeah, where the, the guy he goes, just give me the give me the ring, and he's like, he's like, now I'm not going to do that, and he just beats the shit out of everyone. Mm. Really good, really well shot fight scene again. Yeah, no. talking about world shot fight scene. It's a cool film, that it is. Um, David Souls in it, isn't he? It's uh, Christopher Walken, Sean William Scott, David Souls in the oh. beginning. David from Souls, Starsky and Hunch, yeah. Is he? He plays the gangster yeah. dad of Sean William Scott. He wants him to bring him home. He's the one he directed him. Running Man. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, I, I'm going to say Jumanji. Mm-hmm. I would give a solid Julianne Moore. Yeah. Uh, whereas the other two, I would give them... Ugh. I mean, downsizing is really preachy and overly long. And it's got a weird romantic subplot. So I'd give that probably a David Spade. Is it about a girl jerking off a full-size guy? A minute I'm pretty guy. sure I talked about downsizing before. But the subplot is that he is a, he is an, he plays, you know, his character is an on-job physiotherapist for people that deal with continuous, like, activities that cause pain over time Mm. and how to ease them off. And he falls in love with one of the first downsized immigrants that tries, that they're trying to smuggle over, like a terrorist, like a tiny terrorist, trying to smuggle over. It turns out she's not a terrorist. She's like a starving, starving poor person. They're experimenting with their own version of downsizing. Mm. And the reason they smuggled her over is just because they're like, well, they're all going to die anyway. We just want to see how long, how much oxygen they can live on in that small box when they're that tiny. Hmm. Um, 
And uh, and she comes over, but she loses a leg in the process. So she has a prosthetic leg. And she's cleaning Christoph Waltz's house. And Matt Damon sees her and he goes, oh, that, that's a fake leg. She goes, how do you know? And she's like walking really like backwards and shit, like really fucked up. And uh, and she goes, she goes, how do you know you fix? And he's like, yeah, I'll fix that for you. And he goes and he breaks it. And then like they start having like this relationship, basically. It's very interesting, but it's not interesting in a good way. Um, so yeah, downsizing is David Spade, and then Pitch Perfect Three. I still kind of enjoyed it, but Rebel Wilson's in way too much of it. She should be Anna used. Kendrick needs to be paid more. Anna Kendrick is beautiful in it. Actually, all of the women are beautiful in it, even Rebel Wilson. But you know, I just feel like I feel like they're running out of steam with this franchise. Well, I think it's the last one, so it's not even a franchise anymore, is it? It's a they just, they just do what they do with all those ones. They just, just start releasing it. straight onto DVD yeah. with a different cast. Yeah. Like bring it on and yeah. all that, and how's a step up films not hit that point yet? Oh, step up so good. Yeah, step up to the streets. Step up to the streets is a rocky. Don't 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 <laughs> mock something you don't know about. I will defend step up to the streets till my death. It's not as good as Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. It's better than Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. How can you fucking? How can you even pretend to not like? Have you seen Step Up to the Streets? <laughs> no. Watch Step Up to the Streets. It's a great movie. No. Honestly, it's a good film. I've seen it at least seventeen times. I can tell you the props. Should we do a props? Let's talk about the plot. Of Step Up Two. No. There's a girl. She's joined a dance school. The dance oh. school are really restrictive, and she doesn't get to do the dance she like, which is trampoline dance. <laughs> apparently. What? Channing Tatum has a cameo and he trampoline dances against her and she loses. So he's like, you've got to go to school, motherfucker. She's like, I'm going to school, Trampoline dance. Trampoline dance. That's not a thing. Trampoline dance. She goes to the school and she finds out there are other people like her that although they can dance to the rhythm and the tune that they're dictated. Look, man, you can dance want, if you want to. They want to express themselves. She meets Moose. Moose isn't very good at dancing in like routines, but he's great at freestyle. He's so good at freestyle. So she gets him to join her and they meet the street troupe and they're like, we're going to go to the dance, dance off. And they go to the dance off and they're like, what is the dance off? And they're like, well, we've got to get a team together. So they have auditions and there's a guy who can only do the fucking robot, but he's so good at the robot. They get him in there and they've got lasers. It's a great fucking movie. Dude, it is. Fuck it. It's got T-Pain's church in it. Oh. Is he on a boat? No. Yeah. Well, it's can't. got the light. It's got the light. I was trying to avoid a fight, but you got made it. <laughs> I'm going to turn into a rude dude now. <laughs> Why going to step up and fight? You're going to knock out your legs. It's such a good song. Step up to the streets is a Tom Atkins. Oh, dear. It's going on record. Oh, Step up to the streets of Tom Atkins. Don't say, oh my god, you haven't seen it. If you haven't given a movie a chance, how do you know you're not like it? I don't think I could stand to watch You can! It is so fucking good. Like, honestly. What's that other one that's really bad? Oh, is that like the street dance one? The UK You got version? served. Oh, yeah, that's really you bad. You got served. The one which is like, my mum needs money for medication yeah. bills. Isn't Jeff Bridges in that? And he's like driving around in an expensive car. I think Jeff gold. Bridges is in that. Possibly, you know. Yeah, I think Jeff Bridges is in that one. He could be in whatever he wants. Antonio Banderas is in one of those films. Oh, God. It's Latino-based. <laughs> Who are we going to get? Dirty Dancing 2. Um... <laughs> yeah, my... What's that? Havana Nights? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't do Ghost 2. Yeah. Ghost they could two. film it for Havana real now. Nights, yeah. They could do it for real now, yeah. Move the Queen, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I, we say this now, but Patrick Swayze has been responsible for two of my favourite films. I don't know about you. Uh, Roadhouse and Ghost, yeah? Yeah. They're great. <laughs> I love the romance film Ghost that ends with a guy getting sliced in half by a piece of glass yeah. and crushed between two trucks. Yeah. 
and then demons come and take his soul. Some of the most terrifying demons I've seen at that yeah, point in my life. Romance. Yeah. And then Demi Moore goes, I'll never forget about it. He's like, move on. <laughs> <laughs> Go find someone else. Super young. Forget about me, guys. <laughs> um, you know, have you seen the film Heart and Souls? No. Alright, so Heart and Souls is the Robert Downey Jr. version of Ghost. Oh. But instead of like him being in love with them, there's these three ghosts that like assigned to him when he's born. And they raise him till he's a certain age because his parents sort of ignore him. They're not very good as parents like, the first time. Um, so they make a decision when he's like eight because they're planning to send him away to psychologists because he's talking to nothing to them, but he's talking to these ghosts. So when he's aged eight, they, they say, Oh, look, we're gonna, we're gonna go now, Thomas. You're gonna live your life without us. And he's like begging, he's like, no, please, please don't go, please. And they disappear. And it turns out that, um, that the person who sort of gave them the chance to be with this kid, they were meant to use the kid as a vessel to right their wrongs and to like make, make amends and, and mm. do their final things. And, um, and by this point, Robert Downey Jr. is 30 years old and they sort of appear again. And they're like, Hey, Thomas. Hey, we need you to help us do stuff. Cause they've just been sitting around. They've been following him the whole time, but they've been invisible and not interacting with him. So they finally make the decision to interact with him again. And he has like 48 hours to sort out his life, their lives and say goodbye and stuff. And so like, fuck them. They go, what are they going to do? Oh, it's so fucking good. I've got it on DVD. Do you want to watch it? No. Can we watch it together? No. Please. No, I don't want to watch it. It's so good. No. It's really sad. Honestly, it's really sad at the end. No, I've had like a weird emotional week. So like, there's like loads of loads of things that are like getting to me. Irreplaceable, you almost had me at the end where he's reading out the letter. This is the scene that's shot really well. He's reading out the letter that she's written to everyone, and um, I don't know why this made me more emotional than anything else in the fucking movie about cancer and Christopher Walken dying. Sorry, spoilers. Um, but it gets to the end, and she's reading out a letter. And it cuts to Christopher Walken's widow, not invited to the party, despite knowing the people. That... She's just like sitting alone at home, crying and reading this letter. He's there like, so I've got all these people to comfort me. She's like getting to that part and she's like, oh. Aww. And I was like, I was like, oh, a poor woman. <laughs> yeah, but she might have been a really bad person. Watch Step Up to the Streets and no, actually watch the film. You'll really like it. You like Rocky, don't you? You like Rocky 1 through 4. Don't compare Step Up to it's Rocky. It's just like Rocky. It's honestly, Rocky it's the 5? same film as Rocky. What's Rocky 5 that? doesn't exist. What's wrong with Tommy Gunn? <laughs> we've had this. I'm pretty sure we've had this discussion before on the podcast. I don't know. Rocky 1 through 4 exist. Then there's this weird black hole for about 12 years. And then Rocky Balboa. It's more than 12 Creed. years. No, it wasn't. It's about 20 years. Rocky, Rocky 5 is like, uh, God, 1994, 93? No, Rocky. That was ninety five. It's it's not that late. It's earlier than that. No, Rocky four was ninety three. No, Rocky four was like friggin' eighty nine. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because the first one's like seventy eight or seventy six. Second one's like seventy eight, seventy nine. Then it's like eighty three, eighty four, something like that. God, nineteen eighty five. Yeah. So it's twenty years before Rocky Balboa. Yeah. Oh, uh, Rocky Balboa! I cried in Rocky Balboa. Did you? Is that sad? Did you walk blanking? I got fucking. I got. Well, no, I went with. Three other people that I had, I went with my girlfriend at the time, and with these two guys that I, um, we had all watched the Rocky series, so we'd spent the day watching all the other Rocky films in the run up to go see all Rocky Balboa. them, yeah. All four of them, yeah. <laughs> we watched all the Rocky Balboa and I think we watched Over the Top as well, because we, we, they ended sooner than we expected. That is a Rocky film. Yeah. yeah. Um, they ended sooner than we expected. We went to go see Rocky Balboa. I was fucking drunk. I was so tanked when we got in the cinema. And then at the end, I was like, 
<laughs> I was just I was not a good I was not in a good way. I went over and had a good sleep. <laughs> Rocky. Alright. Yeah. Are you done? Yeah. With your review of Jumanji. Jumanji downsizing and Pitch Perfect Free. Yeah. And Step Up to the Streets and Heart and Souls. Oh by the way, Heart and Souls is Tom Atkins. Someone someone somewhere will actually be interested enough in our podcast one day to do a wiki for it and have all the films I've read as a Tom Atkins and the fucking Heart and Souls and step up to the streets there. And I'll be like... There's no way Heart and Souls is as good as Ghost Dad. It's better than Ghost Dad because this is paedophilia. Oh, yeah. I'd like to talk to you! You're Gloria! Done You're done now. Gloria! You're done now. I'm a ghost I'm a ghost dad! Oh. Can you turn the lights out, please? <laughs> then you can see me. Oh. For some reason, these are the rules of being a ghost in the 80s. So the chroma key they did doesn't show up as much. Because <laughs> it was really poorly handled. God, it's such a shit film. Yeah. So fucking dark. Yeah. Also, really offensive for Satanists. No. Oh. Yeah. It's almost like that problematic game I talked about last month. Or last couple of weeks ago. Wolfenstein 2. Says a lot of bad things about Nazis, but they did some good stuff too. No, they didn't. <laughs> you tell that to Donald Trump, our Lord and Savior. By the way, as always, everybody, Trump fucks kids. Thank you for listening to Crit Apocalypse episode eighty. Uh, you can find Ant at LV fifty four Space Monkey on Twitter. It's episode eighty three, like I said, it was. It's eighty uh, four. You can find eighty three. You can find Ant at LV fifty four Space Monkey on Twitter. You can find him on YouTube under the Mellow Gaming channel, and that is just in case anyone's wondering, the most popular. Mellow Gaming channel. Yeah, until on some 14 year old makes a channel called Mellow Gaming and does nothing but freaking Fortnite Let's Plays or something and suddenly gets like 10 million subscribers and is the next big thing. And Kotaku are doing a story about how he said something racist on a stream once. Because that'll happen. So you can tell he's, he is mellow when gaming, but he unleashes the thunder during this podcast. Can we get through one week without some esports person doing something bad? No. No, we can't, can we? The problem it's is, weird how often they seem to the problem be racist. The problem is, when you grow up in a world where someone is encouraged to play video games to a late age... The problem is, when you give just random teenagers a platform... Yeah. Yeah. Especially when most of those teenagers' opinions are formed by people that are older than them that do the exact same thing, who are already problematic. Yeah. Um, I've Fucking never, JonTron, what are you doing, man? Jesus. I've never understood racism. I still don't understand racism. I don't get the point yeah, of it. Yeah, which is why you keep being racist, because you just don't understand that you're being racist. <laughs> I just don't get the point of it, right? Like, everybody always goes like, why is race so important? We're the same species. It doesn't fucking matter about race. We're all the fucking same. Like, the people that get really... Puffing the gingers. The people that get really stuck up about all that shit are usually the fucking insignificant little twats who got pushed one day by someone who wasn't of another race, but they got pushed. And then that little angry fucking note on that day built up and they became disenfranchised with the rest of their youth and they just eventually have to fucking segue off into something that makes their lives Yeah, well, the plus five, the Britain first leaders are in prison, so... Yeah, but have you seen how they're fucking... How they're, like, the Britain's first page is carrying on? It's like, they're willing to go to prison for their beliefs. It's like... No, you're willing to go to prison because you prosecute others for their beliefs. I think you've got this wrong. They went, they went and harassed a pregnant woman. Yeah. Like, they were like pulling off hijabs of people that were fucking like crippled and shit. It's like, yeah. no, you're just a cunt. Like, yeah. it's not, 
It's not about race anymore. It's just you're a cunt. My like, aunt thinks they've um, they've been silenced that they're trying to oh. quiet silence. Oh, is that? She thinks they can't be all bad, even though everyone's pointed out the multiple things they've done that yeah. are very bad. Have you heard them fucking speak? Idiots. It's like gravel being. I'm, sh- I'm older than Paul Golden, and that baffles that me. That fucking surprises me yeah. as well, because he's like my age. Yeah, he's like 32, 33, yeah. and he looks oh, like no, he's a, older than he me. Looks like he's in his forties. He looks so far. She is twenty nine. Yeah, and I was like, no, she's the same age as me. She's freaking walking bag of chip fat. It's fucked up, man. What was really funny is he was pulling the peace sign. They were pulling the peace sign as I left it. I was like, no, you don't get to use that symbol for, no. for nice things. You're a terrible person. Oh, I hope they get AIDS. I just want one of them to go in there and be like, listen, mate, I'm going to align with the neo-Nazis. The neo-Nazis are like, no, you Fuck don't. off. No. Because <laughs> I reckon Jada Franson would walk into the prison thinking she's going to be the top dog yeah. in the prison. She's going to be B. Arthur in prison cell block H, yeah. and they're going to kick her fucking ass. They're going to gut her <laughs> like a fucking fish, and I can't yeah. wait. Um, all right, well, that's been... that's been. Oh, sorry, you can find me at Critapocalypse on Twitter. Uh, oh. I'm on YouTube as well, but it's not really worth following me, is it? I don't know. It's I don't do enough. Yeah. I just don't do enough. Don't have the time in the days. And it's a lot better at timekeeping than I am. I'm better at timekeeping than everyone, as far as I can tell. Yeah, you're pretty damn good at it. Yeah, I know? didn't even have a working watch for six months, and I was still better at timekeeping than everyone else. It's because you got a clock on your phone. I don't know. I'm having a really hard time not <laughs> looking at my phone to check the time, since I've got the battery put back in my watch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as always, thank you so much for listening. If there is anything yeah. that you... Like, or if you want to chat mm-hmm. to us, you, we're always open to talk. I fucking love people. You like people, don't you, Matt? No. I hate racists. Don't really understand racists. But if if for some reason you feel like you're justified in your beliefs that some of the races is, is weaker than you for some reason, that's fine. Let us know and we'll arrange some sort of fight in which someone we assign to you can beat the living fuck out of you and you can continuously tell them your beliefs, how you're the more superior race. Yeah. Yeah? Fine. I've got curly hair, so if you've got some stuff to say about Jews, point it my way and I'll uh, come over and I'll beat you to death with a baseball bat. Nice. They can have a baseball bat. We can have a baseball bat fight. Yeah. Racist cunts. Uh, by the way, as always, Donald Trump fucks kids. America is a cesspool full of fucking morons. And you have no idea what's really going on. You're all idiots. Good night.